0: viewing podcast. I'm your veteran Donnie.
1: I'm your delighted neophyte Frank.
0: And today we are checking out season three episode six of Degrassi the Next Generation entitled Gangsta Gangsta.
1: Do you want to know why I'm so delighted Donnie?
0: Please tell me why Frank.
1: Because we have a very special guest Justin. Yes
0: yeah, so a little bit about Justin. Uh, Justin is a contributor to D- Newsarama, and as well as a columnist for Rogues Portal, and also the internet's number one source of Dark Shadows news and analysis, the Collinsport Historical Society. Um, he's also a podcaster himself on a podcast called Dismember, which is starting up. So, Justin, hello, welcome to the podcast.
2: Hi guys, I, I legitimate, this is an honor. Like, I don't, I don't get a lot of honors in my life. This one is definitely up there. I feel like.
0: Oh gosh! Thank you so much, Justin. <laughs> Thank you. For- uh, uh,
2: I found, I've, I found, as Vin Diesel would say, my family, my family, my family. <laughs> talk about, a lot of talk about those movies here recently, but the two things that they, they never get talked about, family, gets talked about. The best line, the, the best line of those movies is the first one. Where Paul Walker asks Vin Diesel if he can have a drink, and then Vin Diesel says, You can drink anything you want as long as it's a Corona. That's the most insane thing. And then if you realize, that's all they drink. And the rest of it, even when the franchise is going nuts, it's all they drink is Corona. So I feel like we should have some Coronas with their family and talk about this amazing episode.
0: So that does lead me to a question that we ask every every one of our guests. What is your relationship with Degrassi before this point?
2: Uh, I have a very weird relationship with the show. Uh, I kind of, I came in contact, contact with it in two ways. One, um, and this is a safe space, correct? i can say i mean within reason obviously which we're gonna get into but,
0: yeah like, yeah we'll get to the content uh, warnings when we get closer to episode I, discussion i used to
2: be i used to be a big kevin smith guy like a big kevin smith guy and he always made jokes about degrassi and then he did his episodes and i saw the episodes and they're very weird um <laughs> but Uh, The the other way that I came into it, like legitimately, I went on a very, very poor family vacation uh, to like a little scummy lake in Texas,
3: Mm -hmm. and our our neighbor in like a
2: cabin next to us was watching Degrassi, and I had had no idea what it was. I knew of The knew I just knew that it was a cable channel that I didn't get, uh, that only fancy kids got, and... Uh, they would talk about this show, Degrassi, and like all the crazy stuff that would happen on Degrassi. So, uh, the a, a rerun is on. I don't remember the rerun, but I remember a preview for the new episode that was going to come on. And it is, slight spoiler, Frank, it is the episode where JT uses a penis top.
3: Oh, so my God. Episode,
2: I was like, this is a television show produced <laughs> for like my
3: i was because i was i feel like i was 13 14 at the time yeah and i was like this is that people f- filmed this <laughs> like someone
2: wrote this script and like i i was completely in tra- And then i just i tried to seek as much as i could i didn't i never really watched it on DVd but i watched it random syndication mm-hmm. um but yeah
1: I, i've loved it i've loved it for a very long time uh, even if I haven't been the most devoted fan of it. Well, there goes the crux of every other season. The penis pump. <laughs>
2: it's, it's coming up. Like, I don't remember yeah. what season it is. It's,
0: it's on the horizon. It, it brother, it's seducing.
1: God damn it.
0: It's, it's one of the episodes, Frank, that is, like, seared into my mind. And I've been trying to not... Like, I've been trying... Like, I... When I think of Degrassi, like, but yeah, no, like the the that episode in particular, like, I, obviously there are many dramatic moments of Degrassi that are, like, seared into my mind, and I've talked about some of them as we've gotten to them. That episode that you mentioned is definitely one of the ones that is seared in my memory, and probably one of the more lighthearted ones that are seared into my memory, and, like, I think... But I think it speaks to that, how you felt when you were watching it, like, this is a show, like, featuring kids, and, like, is for kids, and yeah, they're I talking was, about this? I was, com- I was completely
2: flabbergasted, like, and I I hadn't, I, I'm trying to think of, uh, do you guys know about a show called MTV's Undressed?
0: Have you, like... Undressed?
1: I, I... That... Oh, wait, vaguely, maybe. Yeah. It was just, it's like a,
2: it's like a weird, soapy... Like, semi soapy drama that was on MTV in like the, the the early 2000s. And I'm trying to remember my relationship, like, because I feel like I saw that first and was like, well, I, I get this. This is kind of just like an adult or like a teen uh, college age show, blah, blah. blah. Mm-hmm. But then I saw Degrassi and was like, this is exclusively aimed at teens. And like, it has, a, like, it's on a teen network. It is, it's, It's starring teens, I mean, relatively,
0: I suppose. They're pretty teen. Like, I mean, we'll talk about Jay this episode, but, like, even he is only, like, three years older than a lot of the rest Mm -hmm. of the cast, who is, like, you know, teenage definitively.
2: Mm -hmm. And you guys have talked about that a lot, how this show kind of effortless, or very well cast, because, like, you're, you're following these kids from, and relatively in real time throughout mm-hmm. the season, um, so it doesn't. It never feels like Riverdale, where like, yeah, where there are like 30, 30 and forty year olds that are still teens.
0: Yeah, exactly. And, no, no,
2: no shade, no teen, no shade. I mean, I Riverdale, like everybody else, but like, come on, it's. Okay.
0: Well, yeah, I mean, I think that's a big thing with a lot of teen media in general, where it's like, I get it. I understand why it's more of a comfort level, especially if it's going into, like, very risque territory. Like, I understand why they're like, let's have somebody in their 20s, someone in maybe even in their 30s doing it. But I think also it speaks to how Degrassi kind of approaches a lot of these plots, which is these are teens. Like, we don't need to be watching them with the same lens of, like, you know, we just did She's Too Young, which is, like, really trying to titillate you while looking at teenagers. Like, DeGrassi's not trying, really trying to do that. And I'm grateful for it in many ways.
2: Mm-hmm. And you, you guys have talked about that at length, and I think that's what makes this show, that people respond to this show uh, so well, is that it, like, it threads that needle throughout its entire run and it's like kind of amazing Mm -hmm. that it can be so like it can be kind of like campy and and still kind of high-minded with its like social messages but it's always just like they never lose sight of these are kids we're telling stories about kids and they're gonna be kids like I I, that always that always really charmed me even though I was like
0: flabbergasted when I was actually that age yeah exactly. Um Frank, yeah.
1: Yo, J- uh Justin, have you like looked at who was on Undressed like recently? Yes, it's completely insane. Like the the the, the people that
2: are like known quantities now that started out on that
1: ship absolutely
0: boggles my mind. Who's in it? Um uh, I think it was a little before my yeah, time. I'm
1: just going to read off some names. Dante Bosco. Um, okay. Christina Hendricks. What? Uh, um mm-hmm. Baby Christina Hendricks. Jay Hernandez? Mm-hmm. Oh my god, Jay Hernandez is just so...
2: I feel like Colin
1: Hanks is so beautiful. at some point. <laughs> wow. Ch- Chad Michael Murray. Like, crazy.
2: What?
3: To oh my god.
1: Time, yeah. K- Katie Sackhoff. Like, the
2: time frame, uh, Donnie, it's kind of like... It aired right about the time that uh,
0: tsunami really started. Like, okay. The adult, like the Gundam Wing cowboy bebop which is what like i was watching <laughs> yeah.
2: I, was... I had i literally had recorded vhs tapes of just undressed gundam wing <laughs> and it's like when they played because remember one time they played the, the endless waltz movie so i oh hell
0: yeah hell yeah baby
2: <laughs> like just punching VCR's just like I gotta get this shit because I like I don't know that you could buy it. Like just some gutter kid in Texas. Like, well what are you
0: gonna do? Smart. Spend forty bucks at Suncoast? Fuck that. Exactly.
2: <laughs> I'm not gonna get a heavy metal and like cut out the the mail order thing in a, back
1: of a heavy metal. Like what am I, some animal? Yeah, alike? right. Um, do you want to hear my so I loved the music from Gundam Wing.
0: Really? Um, <laughs> yeah.
1: So I used to, I had like an old junkie tape recorder, and I would like Mm -hmm. wait for the music to start playing because there would be those long like, just panning shots, and they play like the orchestral theme, and I just like record it into my crappy tape recorder.
0: Oh my gosh! Because I
1: want. I'm telling you,
3: (laughs) family, my
2: people, like I. I Literally did the exact same thing (laughs) with, but even even goofier. I tried to cut in dialogue exchanges too. Like I would like find like on the tape like a cool like Zex dialogue or like some like like super emo thing that Hero said or whatever, and then like try to cut it into like the final countdown or something.
3: So you were like
0: trying to basically make an AMV minus the visual. I love that. You know, come uh, and kill
2: ask, <laughs> ask me. Ask me if I had any friends. I didn't.
0: Oh. <laughs> well, you're here with us now. You're, yeah, oh, I, I yeah,
2: hero you and you guys are my friends now. <laughs> um,
1: all right, well, also, Justin, I wanted to let you know that that love remains firm for me, the, the Gundam Wing love, because I like doing puzzles. Um, I know this is going somewhere. Okay. I I like doing puzzles, but I also was like, I really, like, I have the one wing Gundam model, like, one of the ones you, like, piece together and whatnot. Not, like, one of the insane, like, thousand piece ones, but, like, it
2: was... Yeah, yeah, like, the ones that Jamie McKelvey's, like, rubbing in our
1: face on Twitter. Like,
2: the ones that he's, like, constantly doing.
1: Yeah. Um, so then I was like, you know what, I'm an adult now with some disposable income. (laughs) And I just bought like all the Gundam suits and the Epion, and all the like updated suits and a Leo. Yeah. And like some days I'll just chill, put on some music, and just make a Gundam
0: model. Hell yeah, that sounds that great. Sounds, that sounds like everything.
2: That's <laughs> like if I was to, that's my perfect Sunday.
0: That does sound oh. really relaxing. and Well, to a point. It's relaxing to a point, and then you have to put stickers on.
1: I, I generally don't bother with the stickers. I don't um, blame you. But also, uh, <laughs> so now that I'm saying it, um, usagundamstore.com. Very, like, just excellent prices. Just unbelievable customer
0: service. Oh, nice.
1: <laughs> like, uh, welcome to I Hope I Can Make It Through
2: the Gundam podcast. <laughs> yeah. Donnie, Frank, Justin. Talking Gundam
0: Wing. <laughs> yeah, it was only a matter of time. But here's the thing, like, my Gundam Wing... My Gundam Wing understanding is, like, the number system shipping, like, system where everyone had a fucking number. I, I
1: like, I would get... I would get so confused with those numbers, and I'd be, like, reading, like, through fanfiction. Oh my god. <laughs> and then I'd get, like, midway through, and I'd be like, damn it! It's a, this times this...
0: <laughs> um, anyway, as much I as I got, would... Like, I
2: just got, I just got like
1: flashbacks. Like it's, I know, like,
0: right?
2: In front of a library computer.
1: It's very visceral over here. <laughs> um. So. So. Uh, so just a. Oh, sorry. Just one more quick question, Justin. Um. also, of we, we we talked for ten minutes and you didn't tell me like any of the awesome stuff Justin's done. Like dying.
0: I'm sorry. No. You have to, you, Please. if you don't have a Twitter right now, so you have not been chatting with Justin periodically like I have.
2: That's, um, come on guys, it's literally because I like dice and like, I just happen to like say yes whenever somebody asks me if I want a job. Like, <laughs> that's the only, it's the only like scruples I have. Um,
1: I'm very much like Spider-Man in that way. <laughs> um, so you're Yes Man uh, from Jim Carrey. From Jim Car- Jim Carrey from Yes Man. Well, let's come
2: on. Let's let's pump the brakes a little
1: bit, man. I don't I agree. Um, so I I'll, I'll leave. I, I will leave. No, I'm sorry. No, I'm not going to come. Are you kidding me? I'm not going to. I I just had.
0: We don't want to be alone talking about an episode like <laughs> anymore. Ever since like the first season, we're like spoiled now.
1: Yeah, no, it's way better no. with like multiple people. Like um, the thing is, uh, I've heard uh. That phrase, "No tea, no shade, no lemonade," um, is that a specifically like Texan saying? Uh,
2: uh, no, uh, <laughs> it's mainly just because I'm I, uh, super queer. <laughs> My wife and I like reality shows.
0: Yes, <laughs> we, yes.
2: We're, we're very, very into Bravo. Uh, Me too. I started to kind of glean. Even though I kind of, like, I very much fronted when I first started watching it. it was just like, oh, Jesus, I'm going to read a book or something like while I was just watching this. But then slowly but surely I got pulled into the incredible narrative psychodrama that is the Bravo
3: Channel. Right? <laughs> so
2: certain, certain, certain shows on the Bravo Network are like some... Eugene Neal shit. Like I, I get really, really into it. <laughs>
0: some someday. Not right now because I will literally never shut up about it. We must talk about the fucking deep. I don't even know what oh, that is. Vanderpump Rules, please. One
2: th- yes, one thousand percent. It's like it's 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 the millennial Dante's Inferno. Yes, like it's, it, it's it's our it's a, it's it's what aliens are gonna look back on. Uh, <laughs> Our generation and just be like, yeah, this this makes sense. That they burned themselves out through the core. Like uh, my uh, my boss at Rogues Portal and and my wife and I threatening to start a Vanderpump Rules podcast.
0: uh, I must, I must, please. If you do that, if you need anyone to just scream for like three hour spans, please. Oh my God.
2: I, I literally just did a, a, a David Letterman
0: thing in this. Please. Please. I just, I've already referenced it on this podcast. Like, I just, there's a part of me that just desperately wants to talk about it. It's just, it's great shit. It's
2: <sighs> great shit. It's like, the, it's like the great American, and I'm not even being facetious. Like,
0: no, it I, is.
2: I, I wish that I was being facetious. That's, no. That's the
0: but- even sadder. Thing. I know, but, like, oh, my God. Okay, we need to focus, because I, once again, I must stop myself, because I will not shut up about Vanderpump Rules, or the fact that Jax was like, <laughs> oh, it's Frank, so to, hard to, to start answer. a beer cheese comp, but <laughs> let me Google it. To answer your
2: question, Frank, I wish, I wish to God, like, that I, as a Southerner, could have claimed
1: no tea, no shade, no maid, as, like, just to look, like, I would have even fronted like that, but I can't do it. <laughs> well. It's just, like, I've heard um, Griffin McElroy, uh say it, so I just thought it was, like, a Southern thing, and because that's, my sister and I have started saying it, um, so I was just trying to, like, find the... Find the, find the origin. Yeah. <laughs> yeah,
2: just the etymology of it. There, I mean, there are, like, super weird... Stuff. I mean, I'm sure you can... there's certain, like, super weird phrases that only occur down here. Most of them, probably racial. Uh, yeah. But, like... but no Degrassi I'm so sorry it's okay yeah I'm a writer I'm around guys if you you google me you can find some stuff I hope you do I'm very proud of the work that I've been doing here recently uh and I made made a commitment to try to do more podcasts in 2019 and this is the first you guys are helping me in that resolution I, I cannot cannot appreciate it either.
0: Well, we're happy to have you. Yeah. Um, So before we get too far into discussion of the episode, before we introduce our A plot and B plot, I do want to stick some content warnings on here um, because this episode is not one of your more graphic episodes in terms of triggering content, but there definitely is some intriguing language that cannot be ignored in this episode. Um, So the content warnings I will stick on here include... The following, there's some ableist language that's used. Um, There's a race element to this that is not super overt, but I do want to talk about. Um, There's also discussions of, there's also a line that is anti-Semitic, which I was not prepared for and was (laughs) very disoriented by. As well as discussion of teen sexuality, particularly wet dreams. So if that's anything you are not interested in, please check out the description at the bottom so that you know where to avoid some of these topics in our discussion. Now that we've gotten that out of the way. Sorry, Frank. We have to. Yes?
1: I was just trying to make it, I was trying to pretend like we prepared beforehand and say we should do the B-plot. Oh,
0: no, no, no. Yes, yes, of course. However, we do, we do have one more thing. I was like, why are you giving me an upside down heart? (laughs) It's a B! I know, no, but it's backwards for me. There we go. Anyway, um... Anyway, before we get too far, We're off- fun, guys. yeah, we are, we are. It's true. Before we get too far off of that, we do like to invite our guests to give a brief introduction of our a plot and b plot. So, Justin, would you like to introduce us to our a plot and our b plot? I'd
2: love nothing more. The a plot is Sean falls in a bad crowd, and the b plot is JT yearns to join the in crowd.
0: Yeah, I mean that sums it up. Though I will say, before we get too far into this. The B plot and the way that the B plot is sent is is woven into this episode is bizarre. It is not
2: Oh, oh yeah, 1000%. One, one I like you you mentioned stuff in the content morning that I'm so glad that you caught cuz I could not wait to talk about it.
0: Yeah, like there's this episode is very peculiar because I actually find the A plot B plot to be a very easy compare contrast type of deal. It's it's very simple. You got one kid hanging out with the bad kids and one kid hanging out with the popular kids. It should be like a really simple reflective thing, but the episode is very it's very A plot heavy to a point that I don't really know why there was a B plot half the time because it's so weird and the point of view of the B plot is very unfocused.
2: And you can even argue that the A plots Two separate things are happening in the A plot. So, like, yeah. the stuff
3: with Emma and the stuff with, with Sean and Jay, that could have been an entire episode. I, I agree. I like, <laughs> the, the, the whole.
2: God. It's the. Like, as soon as I watched this episode, I was like, yeah, yes, yes. This is exactly when I started watching. I know broad strokes of where this goes. And it's like a really awesome catalyst episode for this whole arc, but I had no idea the JT and Toby stuff was just, like, tacked on to the Sean and Emma breakup. Like, it's, like, the weirdest writing decision that they could have... I'm sorry. I didn't mean to derail
0: No, no, I think it's something... Yeah, no, I think it's something to think about with this one. Because, like, I also feel like it's an interesting conversation piece to have, which is, for veterans, how many B-plots do we actually retain at the end of this whole, you know, so many, I've watched. Uh, yeah,
3: that's a good question.
0: Yeah, like, I've watched Degrassi a lot. And, you know, as a kid, I watched it a lot. And there are some B-plots I remember. There are some B-plots that left an impression on me. But in the grand scheme of things, if I recall moments in these things that actually moved me or were actually memorable, a lot of the time it is the A-plot. It, it, and, like, I understand why you do an A-plot, B-plot. I don't think it's a bad idea, and I think it works really well in an ensemble piece, but it it, it it almost feels like the writers shoot themselves in the foot when it's episodes like this, where they don't even try to make the B-plot substantial.
1: Um, I do have to say, like, I do find a connecting thread um, between the two plots. It's like the thread of new friends. and what Absolutely. That, and what that means, like... Um, and taken from two different perspectives, like, the B-plot focuses on Toby being left behind while, like, Sean is, like, I'm entering a new arena, essentially.
0: Yeah, no, I agree. It's just very... I just think execution-wise, this B-plot is very bizarre. So let's try and get to it. And I'm gonna start at a scene which is kind of a weird mix between the start of the A-plot and the B-plot, which is... It opens up with, um, where they're kind of like, we have, like, Toby and Sean and JT kind of sitting at the front of the school, and they're going through Toby's class photo, and he's, like, kind of in this, like, really cliched, Uh, hands-under-the-chin pose. Yeah,
2: yeah, yeah,
0: yeah.
2: Who the fuck let Toby get away with those pictures? Like, there is some exasperated Olin Mills employee... That is like, I mean, kid, just tilt your head. Down. Like, we gotta. Your your parents bought like sixty four of these. Don't don't make them assholes. And like, it's like this bit. Like, oh, it's the, it's the dumbest thing. I actually I have a very complicated relationship with Toby just as a character. Mm-hmm. Um And this episode's also very weird in that, like, it's very. Um, uh, I'm trying to think of the best way to word this. Like, it's very heavy hitter light like i think now in this season the writers are kind of realizing that they have a bigger cast so they can kind of like sideline some of the more popular kids for an episode and just focus on because these this set of characters like emma and and company are kind of the ones that i kind of responded more to when i was watching it just because i was more so around their age yeah um but I think that's cool. That's that's one thing that I think that the show uh, does really well uh, in between like the, the bigger bigger arcs. But yeah, that seems great uh, just because Jay's introduction is like a quintessential like bully introduction. Like he's, he he yeah. rolls up with his car. He's got he's,
3: he's got, got a
0: girlfriend.
2: Yeah, they're like they're they're all uh, <laughs> the not a two like I this episode, because there is some choice
0: banter in it <laughs> in there really it. is
1: i like i don't know if this was a thing for other people but like when i was younger i like got intimidated by people who i'm like those people are clearly having sex together.
0: Yeah, but I think that's the point. I think yeah, that's like the business. energy yeah. that Jay and Alex are, are giving because it's like they they like are kissing open mouth as they're marching down into the school. They're
2: doing that, they're doing that gross walk and make out too. That's like not even sustainable or pleasurable. Yeah, to any level, but it's just it's such a power move. They're just like stalking through the and this weird Sid Nancy like kind of like, yeah. but Alex also she has a killer lady bully look.
0: Like yes, well she the, she the she, rem- she reminds me a lot of. I wonder if and I don't know this. I should really research it. She gives an energy that reminds me of kind of like the girl bully character in Degrassi High, and <laughs> I don't know. I don't know if you've watched Degrassi High, Ooh, have maybe? you? I've
2: watched I've watched bits and pieces of it. I have watched a lot of like I've read a lot about it um just because I I find it so fascinating. It's a fascinating that,
0: thing historically.
2: Yeah, I've, I I just the, the weird like the the mm-hmm. whole structure of Degrassi just in general it, when, when it comes to spin and the original show is like this, I love that shit so much. That's probably yeah. why I, why I've, why I've responded so much to Dark Shadow. Last like couple years, just because it's it such a bizarre canon of, of television. Um, yeah, yeah, that would be so cool if it was a choice.
0: Yeah, I, like I she, like that a lot. she gives a very similar energy. I feel like Alex is also like a character because, like, if I like, I don't know, like, I just feel like there's like this reflective type of element to it. And once again, I don't know if that's intentional. I haven't really looked it up, but I remember when I watched Degrassi High after I watched Degrassi The Next Generation, I was like, oh, this character reminds me a lot of Alex. And I don't, like, once again, because she was, like, also the, like, love interest slash friend of the bully character in it and everything. So, like, she kind of filled a very similar niche. I think Alex came into her own in a way that's way more, that's very compelling and I won't say too much about Alex right now, because once again, spoilers, but it's just this energy that she kind of brings is very similar. But yeah, like, she, she's marching in with Jay, and like, yeah, they definitely give the, they are intimidating because they're definitely having sex energy. And I feel like even when I was a kid, I would have been terrified of them. Like, just like so horrified. Alien. But like, I think this also, and of course, like, you know, we'll talk more about Jay and Alex when we talk about the A plot. But I do think that it's a really good way to kind of set the stage of
1: I also forgot to tell the notifications. <laughs>
0: um I think it's a I think it's a really good way. What are you even taking a picture of?
1: Just taking screenshots. Okay.
0: Um I was gonna say, because like my cat's over there. <laughs> but um my cat is tucked in. It's really cute. Okay, that's my one my one reference to my cat's you get, you
2: get... One, how dare you tell me about an adorable cat? How
0: dare you? I'll have to send you more pictures of them. Anyway, um, not the point. Um, I think that we'll talk more about Jay and Alex, but what I do think is important in this sense is that Jay, this whole entire thing about Jay and his car, he kind of parks right in front of the school. And Toby's reaction... (laughs) Which is like, oh, he's a real badass.
2: <laughs> that's yeah. That's there's a there's a lot of car related like power parking in this episode.
0: There really <laughs> is like,
2: though. We, is... See, we see it a little bit in the fight later on. It's just like he raised the fucking bus like horseshoe. Like, he, yeah. parked his, like, he Parked his he parked like, his day woo in like that's the it's like the most bully shit ever. It's the.
0: But, like, it's, it, you see him do this, it's really aggressive, and Toby is the one who brings up, like, the, oh, you'll get a ticket, and that's where, as Justin referenced, like, Jay just completely got unhinged. A yeah, he's just, like, unhinged when he says it, too. He's
2: just. <laughs> just disdain in his, like, the, the sheer, like, it's like he's fueled solely by mocking. Like, he's only alive if he's dunking on just dweebs, and, and Toby just sets him up so beautiful.
0: Um But yeah, like, he, he, this speaks to, you know, Toby is, a lot of the time, the stick in the mud, the one who tries to point out, like, oh, this is not gonna work, and even though he, you know... Doesn't always do the right thing. A lot of the time, especially with his relationship with JT, he's the one that's kind of like, maybe you shouldn't do that. I, I, I don't think that's going to work. I feel
1: like, I don't really, I've never really gotten a know-it-all vibe from Toby. I feel like this is just more informational. Like, hey, if you park there, you'll get a ticket. Yeah. Just like, hey, friend, you might want a second chance. Might want to second-guess that.
0: Yeah, like, that's the thing. It's, like, a weird thing where... I guess it's just... And I guess the thing is, is at the end of the day, Toby is a realist in many ways. Like, Toby is gonna look at things from that perspective. Um, (laughs) It's it's
2: one of the great great joys of this podcast that someone just said, Toby is a realist.
0: (laughs) I know, what kind of, like, hellscape... But, like, look at his friend JT. Like, anybody next to him is gonna look more like a realist. Do do you remember? Yeah, yeah, he's the same
2: he's a straight man. Like
0: he's, yeah. The,
2: yeah. he's the stickler. Like you get their dynamic very, and even as somebody like come at this kind of, uncontextless, contextless. Like I immediately get their dynamic with this um, opening scene, which exactly. you know, kind of make, what kind of makes their twisting of the time
1: heartbreaking. Yeah. Um, the thing is with, um, with like, Like, Do you remember, Donnie, and also Justin, you probably heard, just how much Toby there was in the beginning?
0: I know, right?
1: Like, it was just, like, the first (laughs) season is all about Toby.
0: It really is. It's it's interesting how much of a backseat he takes. And, like, to a certain extent, I don't know, I feel like Toby is a character that, as much as I was like, I can't stand looking at him anymore, I feel like... It's it's like two extremes. It's either he's used all the fucking time, or he's never really used to his true, like his true potential.
1: Do you remember when he had a crush on Emma?
0: Yes, I do. And his white knight in ass, I remember that.
1: It feels like forever ago.
0: It it's weird because we haven't really actually recorded this podcast in terms of time. Like I feel like it's actually been nothing, and yet in Degrassi time, it's literally no joke. Been three years. Yeah. It feels like three years, even though we have only been recording this for less than a year.
1: Yeah. Um, Toby,
2: you guys are reminding me that Toby that that Toby's used so heavily in the first couple of seasons kind of reminds me of like I feel like, and you guys can correct me, especially Donny, just because you have so much more context than I do. But I kind of feel like Toby's one of those characters that the writers start to use as like a, as like a hinging character that they they can kind of make him. Fit within whatever plot they really want to do. If that makes any sense, like yeah, you know, like, him him kind of being a know it all later in the episode, kind of scans for like the emotion uh, arc that he's going through. Like he he's trying to get his friend back, so he decides to torpedo his chances with the popular kids. So he does so with a fact because Toby loves him some facts. Like, and I feel like they they kind of. <laughs> I don't, I'm trying to I may have just lost my track but just like, I feel like Toby's one of those characters they can kind of get away with kind of map, uh, using in like a malleable sort of way.
0: Yeah, like I think the thing with Toby is and I guess how the writers rationalize it is he's a character who is pretty like I'm gonna tell you that you're wrong, but I'm gonna go with the flow until he gets pushed. So when mm-hmm. they can push Toby and when they can make him react in a way that is extreme, they're gonna use him in that sense. And I think that speaks to, even in season one, when he was used so much, I think it spoke to more, like, this is a kid that, if we want him to start some shit, no matter how, whatever it is, we can get him to do it. And I feel like they, uh, <laughs> they kind of, because t- I remember vaguely in the first being, like, kind of hysterical.
2: Like, it's very, very sort of, like, um, uh-huh hand and, like, um, nervous and stuff like that. I feel like they, at this point, kind of tempered that down to a way where Toby is actually a relatable lead and not so much just kind of, like, a reactionary.
0: Yeah, I mean, I think there is also... I don't know. like I keep thinking of untapped potential with him simultaneously. Like, I feel like mm-hmm. a lot of it has to do with just... I mean, we'll get to it, like, when with Spinner's comment toward him and things like that. I guess I wish they used more of him being Jewish and how he seemed to be the mm. only Jewish character. 100%. Yeah, like, yeah. Like, that also means that... Because, like, I'm going to assume, based on the fact that, like, there is a lot of emphasis on Toby being Jewish, that... Ashley is not, meaning that they are in a family now that's mixed faith, and, like, that also could be a potential interesting thing to talk about in it. And it just kind of seemed like this weird thing where they kind of leaned in, like, they kind of took advantage of him being Jewish-slash-Jewish-coded when it kind of suited their needs to make him be different and, like, you know like just different from the group but not truly exploring it as anything that would actually impact his life at any point. Yeah.
1: Well I mean like the last time we saw an episode focused on Toby was the uh, condoms
0: yeah.
1: episode. Where was
0: his bar mitzvah episode? He would have had it probably within the span of this show anyway. Oh man that would have
2: been, that's Jesus, that was a total missed opportunity because I just like, I didn't know that they had made that
0: textual at all in the show. As it's it's as a, a passing comment. He makes one, I think, in season one. And he, he straight up says something about, like, says something about being Jewish. And I forget exactly I'm, what I'm it was. I'm going to
1: be the first Jewish
0: monk. That's what it was. It was, like, something like that. <laughs> and, like, I was looking at him. I was, like, watching him and, and, and you know, I think, I forget what his last name is on the show and everything. Isaacs. Isaacs. Um, Boom. Good job. Uh, Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, And I was just kind of like, is he coded as Jewish? Is he canonically Jewish? I couldn't really remember. And then he made that comment about being the first Jewish monk. And then the comment that Spinner says later on in the episode. And like, all I can think about is just like, is this another example of having a character who is different, but not having the grace to actually be able to... (laughs) explore it in a way that makes sense and is you know something that truly would make his life different and make his experience different from other kids in Degrassi
1: if only there was a show that had a bar mitzvah episode and a football headed main character that we could do a podcast about
0: stop this is the second time we're talking about maybe doing a hey arnold podcast and- wait,
1: wait wait did he have a little hat?
2: sure right Yes. <laughs> I feel like I, I feel like I know what you're talking about.
0: I I, don't know. I I can just grasp this I don't know. Like, yeah, it. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, Toby, Toby. Um, so so we kind of have that scene, and we'll talk more about it because a lot of it does connect to the a plot. The next time we see Toby, it's within the context of a chess club. Oh, hold on.
1: Oh. oh, oh. Okay, sorry. I realized what you were doing. Yeah, like a second. Like. Okay, I oh, did I you forget talking? that this
0: was a transition? <laughs> um,
1: I'm dumb.
0: No, you're not. Brooks um, <laughs> Rook, and Knights. Yes, thank you for remembering the name. Because I I was like, I should write this down. And I went, no.
2: <laughs> if you like it, Degrassi has a club for it. To be fair, it's not hard to start Zero a club. Zero fucking clubs. Zero
0: fucking clubs in my school. Really? The BTW never had a single goddamn and
2: like I, the fact that there's like there's so many clubs in the crossing, like it's always like this aspirational thing. It's like, God, this kid's got me so many
0: clubs. The... I hate to break this to you, but like, a lot of the schools I've worked at have a lot of clubs.
1: I, you know what, you. you know what, like really, like, just bugs me, is I like was passing by my old high school because I was going to the park. That's near my old high school, mm-hmm. and I saw it's like congratulations to the robotics team. I was like, they have a robotics team now. Aww. Where was that when I was in high school? No, <laughs> it does that that it does remind me. There was this one kid I went to high school with, and we always had like the athlete in the month thing, and then like his name was up there, but like all I knew he was like he did was chess club, yeah. and I was just like tell me he's so good at chess club they just had to make him athlete of the month
0: but he also fenced (laughs) okay i don't know i mean like the thing is is like i work in new york city now so like i i literally am the one who's helping implement clubs and like we have lego robotics and we have fencing and we have like all these things that i am livid i'm sorry
2: i'm so so
0: toby sucks right yeah so like I mean, I don't know. I feel that is not. I feel like it's just another case of like marginalized characters get fucked over by the machine that is Degrassi writers.
1: Yeah, but also I feel like they just kind of forgot they made him. Like, yeah, no, they did. They did remember they made him Jewish.
0: Yeah, no, they definitely so remember. They just
1: didn't. It's so weird that
2: they make that text and then do nothing. Yeah, you Especially would think. This show.
1: When, okay, so I'm trying to recall all the times they bring it up because it's he, only
0: like twice.
1: He brings it up. I'm going to be the first Jewish monk. He bring during the um, don't believe the hype episode.
0: Yeah, he brings up that his great grandparents died in the Holocaust. Yeah, that is a, that is the second time. Yeah, but like it's. It's weird because I feel like while it's referenced, it's not even used in the kind of clunky way that other marginalized characters are used. Yeah. I mean, not yet, but like I also don't least, remember.
2: They at least get like a ha- plot at some point. Like, they get some sort of at least a little bit of juice when comes to that. I got that bird. Now, and now it just fascinates me more with this like weird show. Like, you, you make that text with one of your major characters and then never follow up on, like, stuff that you could do. Especially, like you said, the with the, the, the mixed-faith fan Like, that's that's a plot tailor-made for cross
0: It's true. I mean, I do wonder there is a holiday episode coming up. I don't remember they do anything with Toby within that context, but maybe they do. It feels like that would be a spot, too, because... I feel like that's just how, like, people who aren't Jewish write about Judaism. They're like, Hanukkah, okay, here you go. Um, yeah, yeah,
2: yeah, the top, the, the tops and the candles, are, it's fine, just put them in the
0: gym. Yeah, exactly, and it's just like, it's just one of those, those types of things, but... <laughs>
1: I'm sorry, I just, I just want, like, Ashley to be giving up something important for Lent, and then Toby's just like, one day, I'm done.
0: (laughs) Yeah, right? Like, I want (laughs) to see those types of exchanges.
1: It's like, it's like, um, New Jersey, uh, resident John Stewart says, Yom Kippur! I don't eat for one day, all my sins are removed. What are you, your little Lent- you gotta learn. You can't be paying retail with the man. <laughs> <laughs> but
3: um.
2: But also, during this during this rooks and knights scene, uh, is one of, probably one of the funnier JT and Toby exchanges in that like JT blanks Toby so hard that like I felt like a wind go past me. Like it was such a such a cold blooded. Because like the whole thing is, he's supposed to meet them there. It's the inaugural meet of the Rooks and Knights Club.
0: Kendra and there. Liberty are tearing it up.
2: Oh yeah, <sighs> She's like running shit, like chess whiz, like straight out of that musical. Like it's
1: it's crazy. Kend- uh, like they, I loved watching them in the background. They were
0: really good because
1: there's all that dramatic music as Kendra like checkmates Liberty and you just see Liberty staring at the board and then she just puts her head down.
0: It's really good. It's a really cute interaction.
1: Um, and I just love the idea of Kendra being like, I can physically dominate you and mentally dominate you.
0: Yeah. Kendra's just like this, this great all around her that still feels like, I don't know. She's not like, she's not pretentious, which I guess is what I like about her. Like she's just good at everything, but she's also not an asshole about it.
1: Um, she's a master. Master of Trades, um, she's a Jack of All Trades, which I always get banned when nobody adds the end line of that, Jack, better to be a Jack of All Trades and Master to None than Master of One.
0: Yeah, and I feel like she's an example of it. I've literally
2: never heard that before. That's amazing. That's like, it's so, so much better than just Jack of All Trades. like, why would you not, it's like, it's like not using subtitles. titles, like what the hell? Um, that that actress also has an incredible line read in this uh, scene where uh, so JT blanks him because Toby's like come here hey and then uh, I guess he forgot because he's not there and then JT blanks him and she just goes yeah I guess he forgot and then (laughs) just goes back to her chess
0: game (laughs) she's ruthless when she needs to be I love her
2: I was like she's a cold killer that's like such a great like jazz up of that like what could be a pretty basic line but yeah guess he forgot
0: (laughs) she has some pretty funny reactions and i mean she has two major reactions in this episode i think that's a really fun one i think her a plot reaction is also really good like i don't know there's something about Um, her in this watch
2: i wrote that down i wrote that down too (laughs)
0: Yeah, but like there's something about I'm noticing as I'm watching this for the podcast, I'm realizing how much I really like Kendra. Like when I watched it growing up, and even when I did a rewatch a couple of years ago, Kendra really didn't make much of an impression on me at all. But now that I'm like actually picking apart each episode week to week, I'm like, wow, I actually like Kendra as a character a lot. I think she's funny. I think that she is, you know, she has like clear interests. She has clear Boundaries that she tries to that, you know, if you cross she's gonna tell you like she speaks for herself She's a leader in the school community Like there's there's something about her that reminds me a lot of the type of kid that crops up in small schools like Degrassi Where like you do have a kid that kind of rises to it takes on multiple roles in many ways because like it is a small community And there's only so many roles like you know There's too many roles sometimes in a typical high school junior high and Still, and does a pretty good job at all of them. and like i I really enjoy that about her. And of course, there's that interesting contrast that she is the little sister of Spinner, uh-huh. <laughs> who is not not the same kid at all. like there's there's something about her that i I really appreciate this time around. And even in little moments like this, I actually feel like she she does a really good job in a very like just a very she's very consistent, and I think that's what I like about her.
2: She seems like one of those kids that's like everybody's friend. Exactly.
0: Yeah. Exactly. Like she, she, she still she has enough social clout that she can be dating Toby, but still be respected by other folks in the school community.
2: Yeah. And correct me if I know, like a plot, like a major, or is she just like one of these ancillary characters that just kind of comes out shining in a rewatch? Yeah.
1: Well, that, that's, that's kind of the one, that's one of the major problems with Degrassi, is she, a per- Like it's like one of those, like, line trees, mm-hmm. is, is this character a person of color? Yes. Are they Jimmy? No. No, no plot.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, I mean, but I mean, that's what it is, right? Like, that's what it is, though. It's like, it's, it's, it's. it's Rough, especially because, once again, much like Toby has this untapped potential, you have this character of Kendra who has this, just, I think her role in the school is interesting enough, but you're also talking about a kid who is in a transracial adoption situation. Like, that also could be a Degrassi bread and butter type of thing to discuss. Like, what is it like to be in a family that is white when you're not? 100%,
1: One hundred percent. Yeah, it, it's just like they—they they constantly just like they leave so much gold like on the floor mm-hmm. because it's just like Hazel's parents escaped from like a civil war.
0: Yeah, it's like, so fucking interesting. <laughs>
1: like, like, yeah, I get it. Like the internet wasn't around that day, so research was a lot harder. But dudes come on it's true though that's a canadian emmy for you
0: yeah oh, like
1: oh and
2: that also that super speaks to the weirdness of the show that like they have these stories they have these like these 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 narrative threads with these incredible implications but like no we're gonna do a story about like where uh a kid still has a laptop. Like we're going to do a story about like how one kid is is um, ha- having anxiety because he thinks his friend's going to leave him. Not, not even, none of this other like deeply rich and nuanced nar- narrative that we could be telling. No, 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 no. That's fine.
0: Well, it's Justin, so great.
2: it's like no other show does. That. Justin, no other show take.
0: We can't do that. That would mean that the writers would probably have to hire people of color. <laughs>
2: Oh, yeah. For shame. God forbid.
0: Like, come on. But, um, so the scene, like, you see Toby, like, get denied by JT, and Toby's pissed because he's like, he's supposed to be sleeping over my house tonight. I don't know what the fuck he's doing (laughs) here.
2: And that is such a weird, like, I I didn't catch it the first time I watched it, because also, uh, dear audience, I watched this episode three separate times.
0: I still can't believe this.
2: Yeah, I watched it one time just as a piece of television, just because I was like, I I just have to experience it just pure. And it was, like, elating. Like, it was, was like, my skin cleared. I did my taxes. It was, like, beautiful. Mm -hmm. And then the second time, I took took notes. And then the third time, I just watched it again to kind of, like, highlight lines. And I, I videoed something from Instagram. Uh, which may be one of my favorite DeGrassi exchanges of all time. Like, <laughs> it's going to take a lot to beat it, but I feel like it's definitely up there. But I noticed that the the first the first time I watched it, I didn't notice that. I was like, was, like he said something about JT. I don't get it. And then it cut to them in a sleepover, and I was like, oh okay, so he's Steve he staying. It's such a weird. It's, like, a weird ADR or, or like, pickup line or whatever that they, like, kind of drop in a scene transition. And, like, it super confused me the first time.
0: Yeah, no, I was just, like, trying to really listen in. Like, because, like, I only usually watch it once. So, like, I do a lot of, like, pausing, rewatching a piece of it, things like that. Um, And it is a very weird, kind of clunky set piece line. Which I understand why they kind of needed it because of the next scene and what that's going to set up, but it is a very peculiar (laughs) one, and I understand why people missed it. And I'm sure it makes the second scene, the next scene of this plot, really fucking weird, even though that alone is a really (laughs) fucking weird scene. So, oh yeah, uh, it's, how
2: do we even really talk about it? It's like the most, it's like the most juvenile, it's, (laughs) this is gonna sound weird but i one of the things that i think is very funny about this show is that the way that they
0: have to convey sexual attraction but still in a very juvenile way yeah like, this is the weird like
2: <laughs> what person derives in sort of like sexual gratification simply from being on vacation <laughs> like he's like he's just sitting by a pool in like very vacation Jason from the Chris Gethard channel. and and then Liberty's just like serving him Mai Tais
0: yeah it's and then, like uh... JT's per- JT's perpetual horniness just in
2: very aesthetic but like this is very specifically upsetting. <laughs> and don't like it's it's so strange.
1: Well I think I think it's I think it's the fantasy of somebody who hasn't had sex yet. Yeah. Yes, like,
0: exactly. Yeah. Like I,
1: I I've never seen the movie, but I've seen like the the gift set or like the clip before. Where it's just, like, I, I think he's the kid's supposed to be, like, 11 or 12 or something. And this woman he's attracted to comes in. And she's, like, you know, she's half-naked. like she's half naked, So she's wearing a bra and whatnot. And she's, like, so what do you want? And she's holding in, like, like one hand a chocolate cake. And the other hand, like, an original Game Boy. Because this took place, like, in the <laughs> early 90s. And, <laughs> like, it's, like, oh, right. <laughs> That's what it's. It's
2: like the Wayne's World bit where she's like, "Do you want to go somewhere?" and, Garth, and Garth's like, "Well, I don't have very much gas, so like, we well, have to take your call." Like, it's such this like weird, but like, it's just odd. And then like, okay, just just to map it out with you guys in my mind that I that I wasn't crazy, and like, I'm trying to I'm trying to st- work out the mechanics of it in my head. Mm-hmm. So. He's at the pool, vacation, Jason. She's serving him drinks, and the like. The the gag is she's gonna jump in the pool, but somehow she's also naked, but didn't undress because I mean the implications of that are alone, troubling. But she's naked and jumps in the pool. Like I don't. Please it's explain it to me, guys. You guys are the experts. I, I'm,
0: just, I'm just here. It's Wait, like a very... So, okay, so I'm, gonna, I'm, I'm
1: just gonna quick uh, note I am the neophyte, so Donnie, all you.
0: Alright, so I think what it is is just it's just like... It, Bobby,
2: by this point, you've watched way more dude, so like...
0: Yeah, it's true, but like, I don't know. When When do you lose your label? I don't know. We haven't really established that yet.
1: I, I'm. You know what? Once I hit once we get through all of Next Generation, then I'll I'll yeah, call myself not just, the nearby anymore. Sense.
0: Yeah, I think that's yeah. Put away a... yeah. Yeah, you that's uh,
1: how or I mean that's like nine seasons.
0: I mean that's our <laughs> yeah, challenge is to I, make it through. So how about
2: you still have roughly three years to get so great,
0: good, good, good. Um, can I will explain <laughs> <business>. what, it, <laughs> what what what
2: you're going to like a college
0: class on the girl at this point like there's like aca- i want to get there's a collection of academic essays about it and i would love to get it and <laughs> read it for an in between season like at least a couple essays from it cuz i think it would be i God, i mean yes. as you can imagine i'm an academic and i love that type of shit so like i would love i think i finally might just bite the bullet and get the book
1: I, I i still really want to read an academic essay about assassination nation that movie is so fascinating to me. i'm
0: sure i'm sure if, if they have not been written yet they will soon because it's like i mean if you go into women's and gender studies it's like you get like those article like there's just article after article after article about popular culture so yeah. like or american I studies the new,
2: the new Fangoria, i think is doing an, either an essay or, or in a review of it here either in the current issue or the next issue. So you may look out for that, too. That's also, true. New fan, it's if it, horror people get on the new Fangoria, it's amazing.
1: Um, so. Well,
0: I'll, I'll explain the dream. I'll try. Okay. So here's Christ, what I Christ. think that they were trying to do. Like, I think what they were trying to do was JT was kind of like half waking up in between And they took a very linear, like a weird linear take on how dreams work. Which I don't really think is what happens with this type of stuff. But I think what they were going for was that he was kind of waking up and then falling back asleep. And as he woke up and fell back asleep, the dream got more and more sexual. So it starts off with, it's just a dream. Things are, you know, this is an ideal situation to him. He's on vacation. From what? Who the fuck knows? He's a child and doesn't realize how easy it is right now. Um, so his,
2: his, his hard homework schedule.
0: Is, I know. It's a,
2: it's Sandals, Vancouver.
3: <laughs> Where the <fuck>? But um.
1: <laughs> oh my god, Sandals, Vancouver sounds like the best place of
3: vacation.
2: <laughs> uh, like, genuinely. Has it been like promotional consideration by sandals on uh, Otto? <laughs>
0: Can you imagine? Like we, get, that would be like. If you like, love
2: gray sand, come to sandals auto. Gray sand for miles.
0: <laughs> but um, <laughs> so, I'm sorry.
1: So I, I sent the um the last episode uh where um. <laughs> Where what you call it? Ellie is sitting on the beach with her parasol. I sent that picture to my sister, and she just texted back, uh, "Yeah, that's a that's a pretty strong look." And then another text came through, just like that beach looks like shit. <laughs> <laughs> it's
2: like Staten Island. Like they just film, <laughs> they just film pickups on like Staten Islands.
0: When are we? When are we getting Susie on the podcast? That's the real question.
1: Uh, the thi- mm. <laughs> I guess never. Well, have you listened to a teen girl
0: talk episode? Not much of it. Justin, have you listened
1: to a teen girl talk episode? I have not. Okay, so that the thing is, I, I was, Susie and I are not as serious.
0: I mean, that's fine. Like, I just bring an energy that just brings it all down.
1: And Susie's also, she's like, I can't sit still for a full two hours. Okay. And also. <laughs> As Susie says, don't, doesn't X person know I'm just recklessly mean sometimes? <laughs> so,
0: Fair enough. Alright, so. Sorry.
2: Sorry, very hostile vibe, teen girl talk, I feel like.
1: Well, the, Susie's tried to kick my chair over a few times. Holy
0: shit. Not like. Well, the funny.
1: The funny thing was, like, she put her, like, foot on my wrist, and using just my wrist, I was able to hold her back.
0: Oh, my God. (laughs) I've been working out. Yeah, look at you. It's (laughs) That's the real
2: brother-sister shit.
0: It's true, that's the real sibling bullshit. Eh,
1: I mean, Susie's never...
0: It's true, Susie would kick anybody's ass who forsakens you.
1: there, There was one time I... I was out mm-hmm. for a run. I took some. I didn't know at the time it was some poison ivy. I, I used it to wipe the sweat Jesus. off my face. Ooh. So, oh, it's like,
2: Jesus, hang on, hang on, hang on. Why in the fresh fuck <laughs> are you just wiping the sweat off of your brow with
1: foliage? Right <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, Justin, <laughs> Justin.
2: Um, <laughs> What
1: are you, a bear? That sex? <laughs> what the fuck? What my <laughs> Justin, there was not enough real estate on my shirt. My nickname in high school was Puddles. I sweat a lot. Um, I get it. So, you know my right eye was swollen shut. My sister comes home from college and she just looks at me, got really upset, and she's like, tell me who did this to you, and I swear to God, I'll push their face through the back of their head. I <laughs> ah, ah, you got, like, rolls or something. are yeah. oh,
2: like, no, 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 it's much done.
1: Yep, I mean, I think that's essentially what I said. <laughs> <laughs> Th- no. Then, um, like, there was, like, one day at the pharmacy, I was just, like, getting yelled at by all these people, and the, ph- like, Susie had come to drop off the key, so our shared car to me, and, um, like, the pharmacist was like, Frank, you need to answer the phone, and my sister gave her this look, and then just said, somewhat loudly, that's how somebody gets cut.
0: See, the thing about Susie is, whenever you talk about Susie, because I, have not really spent very much time with Susie, I've only kind of, like, seen her in passing, I think the thing with her is, like, you describe her in a way that reminds me of, like, how older siblings are written in YA. <laughs> like, but, like, to a point 100%. that, like, yeah, like, I don't know, like, I, I totally believe your stories, but I feel like sometimes people might hear them and go, like.
1: Well, the, the problem is I also only describe when Susie like, was being protective of me. Like, Susie, she's a very sweet. Caring person. I don't doubt that. Like, and she she's also a weirdo just like me. I like, also
0: don't doubt that. We
1: have like we do things just to entertain ourselves more than any other, like anybody else. Yeah. Like, um, we were talking about like upping our aesthetics game the other day. Mm-hmm. Uh, last mm-hmm. night. No. Um. <laughs> Because we're just like, you know, it's like, oh, you see, like, a nice sunset or whatever. But I want, like, stuff that you wouldn't think was just, like, awesome aesthetics. And then Susie made this. I love that. It's a man in a Big Mac costume next to a horse, a rearing horse statue in front of a supreme rug, I guess. So, and Susie also developed a new dance that had no upper body movement. It's all just little kicks. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and she also wants to be on Teen Mom, but does not want to have a baby, but somehow, at 35, wants to go back to school, high school. Oh my so,
2: god. Yeah, wants to, be the, yeah wants to be the friend. Wants she, to be, like, the, well, the, the sassy friend.
1: Well, essentially, she's just like, hey, if anybody has a baby, I can borrow for cer- certain things. Oh my better. god. Uh, so it's a long...
2: Alright, that's even better.
1: And we also had a plan... I'm I'm... I've derailed this so much. We also had a plan to get on the real-world rejection list. Okay. Like the rejection show for the real world. Okay. Because <laughs> we're like, nobody cares. Like, we don't actually want to go to the real world. We just want to be on the rejection. You don't want to go
0: to the real world. <laughs> yeah, we just... <laughs> <No>.
1: <laughs> so. so the I Hope I Can Make It Susie Through podcast
2: where Johnny Frank talk about Susie... All the time. Sorry. Okay. So also, Rush Hour Two and Stone Cold Steve Austin posters adorn the walls of Toby's room. I'm
0: so glad that you picked up on that because I did not. Everybody
2: should know that. Thank you. And I love the fact that it's Rush Hour Two. It's not Rush (laughs) Hour One. It's Rush Hour (laughs) Two. There's just like a and there's just there's just like a magazine cutout of Stone Cold Steve Austin and like. like the pre-champion base on his wall Um, that's really good as as a wrestling fan i I very i very much he also has he is a slime um after he kind of like teases jt about the about the wet dream and then he's okay like that's such a whoa
0: you're yeah. Hot. Oh my he's god, like, is OK Shooter? Like, I think Gwen heard it too and was also like, we were both like, whoa, buddy. Yeah. It, it was he a lot. Kind of, he kind of
2: reveals, like, kind of a hidden, like, almost vindictive sh- streak in this episode, like, kind of with, because he's, he's very, he's so quick to blackmail JT being his friend again. Like, he's like, well, if you, if you hang out with the popular kids... I'm telling him that
0: you had a wet dream. To be it's, it's fair, like, though, that feels consistent. Yeah. Because, like, mm-hmm. if you think about his white knighting effort, like, it wasn't just a one-and-done oh. episode. It was something that lingered for a lot of season one. So, like, I think that this is just, at this point, mm-hmm. a characteristic of Toby. This, this like, I think that he, he kind of, if he latches on to something like something like this like he he's gonna if he feels forsaken he's gonna hold it he's gonna hold a grudge about it
1: yep and he
2: can turn the situation to his advantage very easily
0: yes
1: yeah i um was a similar situation in high school i was part of a group of nine and then we split into three different groups oh oof two groups of two groups of four one group of one I'll let you guess who was the one group of one. Oh, no. (laughs) The thing is, I never had anything like this to get back at my friends with. I mostly just, like, because they, and, like, it's, I I understand where Toby's coming from. Like, it sucks. It does. Because, like, they used to make plans, like, ten feet away from me, plans I knew I was not invited to, and yeah. then they'd also bring up this, like, oh, you remember this thing? I was like, no, you guys didn't tell me about that.
0: And let's be real. You know, JT's the type of person to do that type of shit. Yeah. Like, ha ha, don't you remember when Paige said this thing? And Toby would be like, no, I did. Like, I feel like that would happen literally constantly. Yeah. You weren't there.
2: Yeah. No, dude, you, you were totally there. Uh, no, I, fu- I fucking wasn't because you assholes didn't invite me. Like, yeah. That's, this is one of the reasons this is kind of one of my favorites tropes and I think both this and the a plot tropes are some of my favorites that's one one of the reasons I wanted to do this episode is because I love the the pairing of like the, the, the guy falls in with the wrong crap and uh, friend groups are kind of starting to splinter uh, because like you said Frank it's it's super relatable like this is something that every kid in middle school, in some form or fashion, goes to, like, your, your, your cute friend is starting to hang out with, like, other cute people, or, like, your more gregarious friend is starting to get, like, more popular, blah, 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 like, and I feel like it's something that also speaks to the strength of the show, that they can do something so relatable, and kind of make it... I don't know, kind of like make it pop for TV, but also not in a way that doesn't feel um, far removed from like the base emotions of it. Yeah, makes any sense?
0: It does, and I, I also appreciate it in the sense that we saw a pair of friends who are girls have a fallout. We saw earlier in the season we saw Manny and Emma have their falling out, and now we're seeing a pair of boys go through this and. I think it's also kind of nice in that sense, too, because I feel like the fallouts and the social, you know, the changing in social status, I feel like it gets characterized a lot of time as a thing that only really teenage girls go through. But that's not, it's not the truth at all, because, like, that happens a lot, especially in the case of, like, boys in puberty and, like, a lot of boys... A lot of the time, because of the way that, at least, you know, DMAP folks, like the way that puberty works sometimes, it's like you gain muscle mass and things like that, and then, you know, some kids become more athletic, or, thing, and you know, like they become taller, and then maybe they get involved in blank, and things like that. Like, you have a lot of different ways that boys can fall, like their friendships can kind of fall apart, and in the case of JT, he's gaining social status, and he's not exactly somebody who is going to be careful with it, and so you're going to have this conflict happen, and it's a very real one, and it's it's nice to see that Degrassi will repeat certain themes, but there are different iterations of it, as opposed to just copy-paste, copy-paste, copy-paste. Not to say that they're always going to be this inventive, but you do see every once in a while these similar themes done in a different way. Yeah. So, you have this issue in the school, it's during lunch, um, you're kind of, so your popular crew, we haven't really established this yet, but the popular crew is basically Paige and her, <laughs> and the people in her orbit. <laughs> I was mean, gonna,
1: like, if there had been a moment to interrupt, I would have been like, Paige and, duh.
0: <laughs> yeah, right, like, Paige and, you know who it is. It's
1: um, so, our pro- Paige
2: and everyone to be popular
0: in Degrassi. Yeah.
1: (laughs) So, uh, this crew is Paige, Spinner, um, Hazel, and JT. Yeah. Where the fuck is Terry?
0: I don't know, man. I don't know where Terry is anymore. Like, have we seen Terry this whole fucking season? No. Like, I know she gets more stuff in the back end of the season, but, like, it's very, where, where is she? I, I know she gets more stuff happening to her, but like, I, where is she until then? It's really weird.
1: Wasn't, isn't she, wasn't she part of the field hockey crew?
0: Well, she's in the opening with the field hockey crew, yeah.
1: I'm just going to assume she's hanging out <laughs> okay. with Kendra. Yeah. Sorry,
0: can I think about
2: the opening just really quick? Sure. Just because I hadn't, I hadn't seen it in years. And,
0: and it's I such realized. a, it's such a moment.
2: And I was yeah, I was listening to the episode where you guys first see it and I was like, yeah, I, I had a lot of the same sense just like this is like this is precisely what I think of when I think of Degrassi. Um so I wrote I wrote three uh one, it's iconic, obviously. Uh two it, Emma's faux silliness on, in it always disgusted me. <laughs> because, <laughs> it, it seems so put upon and, like, so, like, popular girl tries to look relatable or whatever. Like, and it always, it always runs away.
0: Yeah, uh, you know, yeah, was, I can see. Yeah. I, I kind of felt the same way as a kid, too. I was kind of like, that's really weird. Right? It's, like, it's such, again, it's such like a performative
2: dumb flyer whatever the fuck, uh, nuke the whales or whatever. <laughs> and then like, uh, I
1: don't know, gotta nuke something.
2: <laughs> they, yeah, exactly. We gotta use them sometime. One of my favorite Simpsons episodes, hands down.
1: Uh, <laughs> wanna go yeah, slaw Skinner's yeah. ass?
2: What's <laughs> <laughs> her name kind of comes up with the camera and then she's like, oh, for my constituents or whatever. Uh, also, about the final beat, which you guys also really talked about, which I thought was amazing. I felt very seen. Um, the whole superimposed, the logo and the ITV web address on the back of the jean jacket... Yes. ...feels, feels very, um, no, do this, it'll totally look cool later on. Like, I've been in enough community theater to know that whole vibe, and it seems very much like... Like they told him to do it, he's like, "Ah, yeah, that kind of sounds really stupid." And then someone's like, "No, no, no! It's, we're gonna we're gonna like CG the logo and our web presence on the back of your jacket, and it's gonna look, it's gonna look so boss, dude! Like it's, <laughs> you're gonna love it." And he's like, oh. "They they film it, and you see him later. You're like, motherfucker! I look like a
1: total dumbass." And you, and also Frank mentioned it. If there was like something. On
2: the June jacket, it would be a totally different conversation that we're having. But it's like a fucking Springsteen, born in the USA, stressed out plain denim, and it like it always looked so. I felt so sorry for that kid. I was like, he probably had to stand there for so long
0: and do that jump so many times. I oh, know. Every time he did it, he's
2: just like, "This is gonna look so stupid." <laughs>
1: the, um, the, uh, they're like, "We'll fix it in post." The episode goes up tomorrow. Shit. <laughs>
3: exactly.
2: Yeah. Like, he's, like, he's like, "Oh, dude, I promise it's gonna look so cool. I mean, it's gonna look, like, it's gonna like, spin or we're gonna do a cool wipe. Like, oh god, it's gonna look so great." And then, like, he, he's cuts of the episode. He's just like, Jesus Christ, I let that I just shouldn't have never let that guy talk me into that stupid ass jump.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for these thoughts. They are great.
2: I had to like once once you got that the, the first time you saw the intro, it was like I have to at least say something about <laughs> like these thoughts have been burning in me for like a decade. <laughs>
0: <laughs> um but so the scene itself, we have your popular girls playing cards while drinking Fruitopia. That is how the scene what, opens up.
2: They, what fucking card game are they playing?
0: I can't figure they, it out. Euchre. You're right. Is that what it is? Never. Never
1: heard of it. Because um, Toby comes in and he's just like, my boobie and I used to play Euchre.
0: You know, I think I have I heard of it, but I've never played it. I I have heard... I think it might be... I thought it was regional, but I it might not be.
1: Um, is a trick-taking card game most commonly played with four people in two partnerships, with a deck of 24, 20 or sometimes 32 standard playing cards?
0: Okay. Huh.
1: Is the game responsible for intru- introducing the Joker into modern packs?
0: Interesting. Huh. Euchre. So they're playing Euchre and drinking Frutopia.
2: <laughs> of course, Euchre. That, 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 sun, that fun time the game, the
0: Euchre. I feel like, okay, this might be a moment where I'm going to get my ass handed to me on Twitter by somebody. And I say this lovingly, like, please, when I'm wrong. <laughs> yeah, you, I-
2: you say something, and then my actual Euchre association is like, uh, cease and desi, motherfuckers. This game has been around for, like, thousands of years or
0: well, whatever. <laughs> and now that I think about it, I think the, I have heard of people playing it, but the people playing it... Where, like, I feel like a lot of my Midwestern friends play it. And, like, I feel like that's where I've heard it. And I don't know if that means that just, like, a lot of people in the Midwest play Euchre, or it's just, like, this very, very specific thing having to do with the network of people that I know who live out there.
1: Um, I, I mean, you know, I, I don't want to bring the SES down upon us, the Shadow Euchre Society. Um... (laughs)
2: They have, they have the se. It's ears
1: everywhere. I mean, every deck of cards. It, it's like Voldemort. Like you say their name, that summons <laughs> them. But like, I I feel like because when I was in, um, this is around the time I was heading to college. This is like two thousand four or so. Mm-hmm. Like that was the time of. You had maybe an iPod. You had a shitty flip phone. Yeah. You didn't have anything else to do. Like, um, sorry, we had to pause for cat knocking highlighter off of coffee table. Um, like, so having a deck of cards on you was a way to like entertain yourself. Like, yeah, my three my three friends and I played hearts. Um, yes, a whole bunch when we were waiting for our classes to start.
2: I mean, yeah, yeah. And I did, I did a lot of uh, UIL in high school, like speech and forensics and stuff like that. Yeah, and you very, very much so. Like you had a disc man, and if and if that the batteries went out on that, somebody took out a deck of cards. There was always these girls in my theater troupe that were playing a game called um,
0: Egyptian Rat Script. Yes, and, yes, and they, yes. They, never fucking taught
2: me the rules and i i always felt so resentful (laughs) like they i I, they were all my friends and we like we were all a big unit but like they they only played by themselves and they were like oh yeah you can only learn the rules by playing the game like they were some sort of like fucking elusive girl gang or whatever and like i always i always burned me that i could never play that game but they did all the time
0: Now that you bring it up, though, like, I feel like the only group of kids that I think that consistently still play cards from my, like, memory of working with kids, it seems to be the theater kids. And I wonder if a lot of that just has to do with the amount of downtime that they have to have, and also, and how much of the time they can't have, like, phones on them for various reasons. And I feel like, like, that's, like, the where, why that's, like, the last crew of kids who are still doing a lot of that type of stuff because like i feel like We're that's where the deck of, of cards goes
2: we played a lot of farkle too because farkle?
0: I've Never played farkle. Nope. farkle
2: farkle's a damn fun game it's like kind of like a yahtzee to where like you have uh you you roll a set of dice in a cup and then you can add points depending on as a matter of fact thinking about it it's probably exactly Yahtzee just without <laughs> without like the actual branding
0: yeah no probably play. that would that
2: would be the thing like we would always either be in costume or like waiting on the, or whatever and we can't we can't have phone and i mean, the electronic mm-hmm. so like someone would either pull out dice or that's that's also I snookered a bunch of like my high school friends into playing um RPGs too. Yeah, I, I, would always be, I, I would always be the weirdo with, like, a core rule book on me at all times. Just be like, oh, we've got, like, an Why not be an you know? Like,
0: <laughs> yeah, but, like, I think that's, because, like, also, like, it should be noted, like, uh, the it's still, to this day, like, the amount of kids who are into tabletop RPG and are in theater is, like, a circle. Mm-hmm. Like, it's, yeah, like, it's, yeah. my whole, yeah, basically just. Like, my, my whole entire, like, I, I work with junior high kids. I, I am a, you know, I am a, a guide in a game of Pugmire right now. Or two games of Pugmire right now. And, like, when they had the tech crew tryouts, like, I had no party. Like, they were all there. And then the ones who were there, who were actually present, were the ones who already had parts in the musical itself. Like, it was really funny because... and. Also, when I was a DM for a high school, it was a similar thing. Like, literally, the party had to stop because of the theater program. Like, it's just, I don't know, it's just very interesting. Like, I feel like a lot, that's where a lot of your non-phone-oriented activities are still at. So I think this is kind of like a, it's a very nostalgic moment in a way, because I feel like it's something that you probably could have seen during this time period if you were in a cafeteria and you were looking at, like, what teenagers were up to. But, you know, within a couple years, it would go away.
1: You know, I'm. I have a theory about this. This is what the kids were doing to pass time between takes.
0: You're probably right. Uh, that's good.
1: Like, because um, I'm. Yeah, and then the writer's just like, well, screw it. We'll just throw that in there if they're already going to be doing yeah. it.
0: I think that's just a really it, good theory. Establishing shot. I feel
2: like we're just trying to dance around the, the anti Semitic with the, with the scene. Yeah. It's a, it's, a, it's, a big, it's a big scene for another reason, but we also kind of have to address the fact that a major character says something fairly anti Semitic just as a
0: throwaway. Yeah. Line. So so let's try and like, so like to give a little more context to this, you know, Toby, so every the girls are playing the card game, JT joins. And Toby comes in, and Toby comes in by giving a, you know, talking about how him, he and his grandmother played, uh, played Euchre, and, you know, talking a little bit about the backstory of it, and, you know, nobody's particularly interested in what he has to say, so then he proceeds to talk about, like, kind of the, what a wet dream is, and how everyone has them, and... It's just like this very awkward kind of like, you know, why are you... Like everyone's just kind of really confused trying to figure out what the thread is as JT is exploding. Um, and then Toby kind of does a gesture toward Liberty to continue to make JT feel uncomfortable about this whole entire thing. And this is where Spinner gives a very odd comment where he's just kind of like, uh, well... That, like, at his gesture, saying, well, that might make sense in Yiddish. You're being you're being so kind
2: in the lead-up and, like, the, the contextualization of it. It's wonderful. And you're wonderful for doing it.
0: Thank but, yeah, you. I tried to not just get shit. angry.
2: Holy shit. Like,
0: right? It's, like, it's, it's...
2: And especially, like, watching it... For the first time, it was like getting punched in the face.
0: Like yeah, it's such,
2: it's such a it's such a boldly hateful
0: thing to say. And even just in a joke text, like it's it's very barbed. And yeah. so I also, I didn't I didn't realize that, that was spinner first off, because
2: I was still kind of, I was still trying to get my bearings on who was who and then, by the second time I watched, I was like, holy shit, that Spinner. And yeah. he just straight up said something super anti-Semitic. And it's like, I don't know how you're supposed to take him seriously as a romantic lead, as an emotional lead after that. Like, that he just has lurking in somewhere towards someone that he's known for years.
0: Well, like, and here's the thing that makes it even more fucked up is literally the two episodes before are Pride, which is the two-part episode about Marco and him having a huge strife because Marco is gay. And you have Spinner literally using the F-slur, writing on the wall of a bathroom that says Marco is a F-slur. You have him saying this hateful, hateful shit about Marco, saying, like, you know, And I'm not going to go into it already, because we already did, and quite frankly, it's really upsetting shit. He went on a fucking two-episode-long tirade of homophobia, basically. And now in this episode, he makes an anti-Semitic comment. And it's just like, it's like one of these really weird things where my, as a veteran, like, I'm... I have, I as a veteran, like, I kinda had a fondness towards Spinner... And I don't really know where it came from as we get into this later stuff because a lot of what he's doing, I don't know if it was just as a kid, I could look past it or it was just the way that I watched it because I watched it syndicated, I watched it in bursts, I watched it in pieces, I didn't watch it week to week to week quite like this because if you had the end, a lot of the time it's, it you know, it's it was on on Fridays I think is when they showed the episodes, it was kind of a weird time to try and watch it week to week. DVR wasn't necessarily a thing in my house. So, I would watch it in these bursts, and I wonder if that really impacted how I felt about certain characters, because they could turn around pretty rapidly.
1: Yeah, you gotta wonder, like, if Toby's, um, you know, Toby being Jewish, if that doesn't come up that often, is this, like, is the anti-Semitism gonna come up as well?
0: Yeah, it's, it's... (laughs) It's very off-putting for many, many reasons, but it's it's one of these, like, weird moments where I also wonder, like, it's one of those things where it's like, was, especially given the fact that last episode was all about Spinner being a homophobic asshole, was it even the intention of the writers to make that be a comment that was off-putting? Like, was it meant to just be, like, a silly kind of throwaway, like, observation on, like, was it supposed to be coming off like that? as opposed to the truth of it, which is that it's an ugly anti Semitic assumption being made.
1: Yeah. No. Um, and, and I almost think the
2: and I almost think the former makes
0: it worse. No, one hundred percent. Yeah.
2: If that's just supposed to be like a joke, like Yikers, my dude, like that's that's a lot. But also I I completely forget, that whole arc with spinner i knew that that spinner was a was like a major player in this in the this series in particular but i i had no idea about like so jesus like that's just so he's just like trash <laughs> like, well
0: like, that's what like, i mean it's like, like is it now? just <laughs> like this is the thing and like Uh, Justin, we talked about this um, via DM a little earlier. I know you were kind of interested in, like, how my view of Degrassi has changed because I am an an educator. And I think a big thing that has changed is, and also I think this has to do with being older. You know, I was a teenager. I, I, you know, I was raised as a girl because of it. I had an obscene amount of internalized misogyny I was working out. I think that as I became an educator, as I learned more about how life is and things like that, at this point in the game, I am so sympathetic to the girls on the show. Like, I will, to a point that I feel like sometimes I come off too apologetic toward them. Like, I make up, not necessarily that I make up excuses for them, but like, I admit like, oh, well, you know, there are various reasons why these girls are making these decisions and acting the way that they are. And no, it's not the right thing, but I know why they're doing it. Meanwhile, the, meanwhile, the boys, whom many of whom I quite liked when I was watching the series, I am way more hard on to a point that I don't even know if I can def- like. I like Craig. I like Marco, obviously, but if you want me to talk about any of the other boys that I really enjoy, I start drawing a blank.
1: Because. Marco and Craig have not done anything, like, to kind of break your heart yet.
0: Yeah, like, they, like, and and maybe it's also, like, one of those things where, I don't know, like, I understand, like, Marco has not done everything perfectly, but if he did something shitty, a lot of the time it was to protect himself. Yeah. And a lot of the time it was, like, overcompensation and, like, trying to, as a person who is, you know... Seen as more feminine, trying to find a way to kind of appear more masculine to keep himself safe. And does not mean he did the right thing, but I can go a little softer on my, in, you know, feelings toward what he did. But so much of what the boys do is glorified in many ways and not properly called out and not properly being told, like, that is a shitty thing to do. Yeah, Spinner gets his ass handed to him in pride, and he gets called out by Jimmy, and he gets called out by Marco, and I'm very glad about that. But in terms of everything else, it feels like the boys constantly get away with everything, and I think this comment is another example of it. He says (coughs) something like this, and Toby doesn't go like, what the fuck? Or, like, somebody else doesn't go, what are you doing? Like, you know, what are, like, that's not, like, like, nobody kind of goes, like, that's not okay. Sorry, one of my cats just tried (laughs) to get onto the futon and slipped. (laughs) They're very young. They're still learning.
1: Oh, God. Um, It is, like, I feel like this is important, but, like, we're an hour and a half in, and we still haven't even got to the eighth line. I
0: know, but like, I feel like it's oh, just. Christ. Yeah, I know. But I'll uh, try and just kind of sum this up. But I think that's like a big thing that I keep running into with these types of conflicts. It's like the girls, and I feel like this happens in general with girls in media. Girls do wrong, they get called out. Whether it's like a total like Puritan type of called out, or it's just a they learn the consequences, they come back. And Degrassi does this a lot. And I actually think Degrassi does this quite well, where if the girls screw up. They get called out on it. They try to fix it. Their friendship ends up stronger because of it. The boys never get a lesson taught. They're told that their behavior is fine to an extent and you end up with shit like this line. Um, And nobody says anything about it. Um, And Toby, who is the person that is getting, um, getting this comment handed to him, doesn't really say anything about it other than clarify what he is trying to say. So he then says, like, oh, you know, the, you know, JT is having wet dreams about liberty.
1: Yep. And... Blows up, blows up a spot. Yeah. And...
2: But also, I
1: think... Like...
2: Who gives a shit? Like, <laughs> like, they... Well,
1: that, like, I, I said I wanted to move on, but, like, let's not stop, <laughs> like, let's not... Move away from the fact that this is supposed to be a very... The idea that JT could be attracted to Liberty, that's...
0: It's still a joke.
1: Yeah, and it's just still unbelievably uncomfortable. And just, it's embarrassing for the show to do it.
0: Yeah, it's like, it's one of those things where it feels like... Liberty is, like, kind of, like, the way the writers are treating Liberty is a constant two steps forward, one step back. Like, now she has friends, and now she has a club, and now she's involved with people and is able to have relationships with people that aren't just her being, like, a you know, a, a constant, like, you know, brown noser. But, you know, scale back, it still goes back to this idea that, like, why would JT be attracted to Liberty? Yeah. To be fair, Paige's reaction is kind of funny and you know, is, is what I would expect someone like Paige to react to it with, which is just, like, she just kind of goes, like, I want the juicy gossip, pardon the pun, which, like, <laughs> yeah, that's, that's lewd! By the way, that that's is so fucking funny. lewd for a teen <laughs> drama.
2: Yeah, I, I think that's a canny, self-aware kind of joke that that's that somehow the final cut, which I also think is it's, it's another it's a cool testament to these these young actors that they set a lot of these lines that well. Like I I, I genuinely I just like started guffawing as soon as that because it's like a really good line and she delivers it really well.
0: Like I loved it. Paige is really good at those zingers and I love her for it. She she remains
1: me she reminds me a lot of Jane uh Krakowski from yes. uh, Thirty from Thirty Rocks. Yes. Yeah. Where it's just like on paper, her lines
0: It's the crinkle tunnel. Her,
1: on um, on paper her lines wouldn't be funny, but much like Jane, like Laura Collins just loves them puts just so much like stank on the lines.
0: Yeah. I really enjoy her playing Paige. Like Yeah. It's it's just I don't know, she's just very good. She brings a certain energy to it and it, it makes a scene that to me was coming off so dour because of the circumstances. A, like, a little, with a, having a little more levity, thank thankfully, because she's able to kind of deliver these lines in a way that's really fun. Yeah. God bless. Thank you, Lauren Collins. Yeah. You've saved our asses on this podcast so many times in terms of staying she's, with it. She's super impressed me.
2: And, like they, like I said, they, they don't really, they kind of bench a lot of the heavy character-wise for this episode. But like, the, the way that, that, like, her and, um, Oh, what was the the other girl we were talking about earlier? The uh, Kendra. Yeah, yeah. The way that they kind of dip in and out, like just as kind of ancillary characters, was really entertaining. to me.
0: It's true, and then because I mean, even the last scene of this plot, because this plot is like m- like five minutes. It's nothing really, and it's kind of confusing uh, where it fits in this whole entire thing.
2: And it feels like half plot. Like it feels like if. In any other show, we would have gotten at least another like two more scenes of either them having some sort of between the two social groups, or another instance of where he for, for kind of uh, ditched Toby or Tobes, which is the most terrible nickname. Right, most
0: terrible it's only four um, letters, dude. You don't need. It's
2: so it's and he says it like a billion times. Last scene, and you can sell that as much as you want, JT. That does not make that nickname work at all. Um, and it also seems like a nickname that he like gave himself. Like Toby's, like I'm going to go by Tobes now. Yeah, like he, like, over over one summer, he's like I'm going to try this out. Um,
0: He never delivers it quite, like, I feel like Marco is a character who cuts a lot of people's names. Like, Ellie becomes Elle, Ashley becomes Ash, and things like that. And, like, when he does it, it it comes off more, like, he executes it better. I feel like when JT says Tobes, he's always like, yeah, 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 Tobes. (laughs) Like, it puts, like, a lot of emphasis on it, and it doesn't come off organic. I
2: I was telling my wife, uh, I never (laughs) heard thicker accents other than, like... Like, and I, I kind of, I had, like, a recalling of, like, that the accents. I was like, oh, yeah, I don't really remember it being such a big deal whenever I was a kid. Holy shit, is it, like, very much a thing. Yeah,
0: Watching they have, a, yeah, they come out. And I feel like they've come out, like, I feel like the, the accents be- are becoming more prominent as the series continues. It feels like the accents were not as... Out there in season one, but I wonder if they were just like, "Fuck it, you got an accent, I don't give a shit." Like, you know, just deliver the line. Who cares? But, we,
1: we've already won the American audience. Yeah, like it's
0: fine. They they can they can handle that. Accent. Like they can handle the boot.
1: I I like to think we're just gonna keep following this. where it's just like, okay, first season they're trying to sound like you know Americans. By the fourth season, okay, we can let the accents come out a bit harder. Six seasons, the accents are coming out really hard. Ninth season, they're just speaking French.
0: <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, um, yeah, you're basically
2: upscaling towards, towards an explosion. <laughs> <laughs> <Like, laughs>
0: yeah. But, um, and so the last scene is JT approaching Toby, and JT is, like, trying to confront him about the whole, like, you revealed that I had fucking, like, wet dreams. Which is like a deeply personal thing, and like there's so much other things to kind of unpack in the scene that it happened. But that is a pretty fucked up thing to reveal, even if you are being and hurt him, by someone.
2: Yeah, and him specifically, like he had a wet, trip, like, he had a wet trip about that lady right over there, fifteen feet away from us. Like, yeah, it's that's, that's such a personal and like specific it's like so creepy to me i, I really agree root for it in this b-plot like at all
0: <laughs> no i agree it is it is like this this really awkward situation to be in in at any age but especially when you are a teenager and you know how teenagers view sexuality and their actual sexual experience and things like that like it just puts both parties in this really awkward situation and kind of forcing them potentially to have a conversation that neither of them may be ready for. And <laughs> it's, it's you know, just another incident in which Liberty gets demoralized. Yeah. Which we've seen literally since this character has been introduced. It's just like they find different ways to demoralize her, a black girl. And it's... I always, I always felt so
2: bad for Liberty. Like, I even just kind of remembering broad strokes of where she ends up going i always just felt so because i just as a as a person watching the show as a kid liberty was like my lady i was like she's super smart yeah she likes playing board games she rocks those sweet ass overalls all the time like yeah liberty's somebody i want to fuck with and then like every single plot she gets she's like the butt of a joke or she's some sort of like, she's, she's kind of like pigeonholed in like a shrewd role, yeah. like a stickler role. Like is she she kind of like, we can talk, we're going to talk about it in regards to Emma, but I feel like Emma, they kind of like make that heroic, whereas Liberty, they kind of make it seem like, oh, wasn't she just such a square? Like
0: 100%. Kind of, like, you know, they are two sides of the same coin, and yet... Like, every quality that Emma gets glorified for, Liberty gets shit on for. Yeah,
3: 100%.
0: And, like, it's just a very distressing thing to see. Because it's like... And you're not the first person to be on the podcast to be like, oh, I actually really like Liberty. I like Liberty. I always liked Liberty, even when I was a kid. Um, I was not in the deep fandom of it, and then afterwards found out how horrible she was treated within it. And it's just, like, this very depressing realization of... You literally have this racialized issue. You have a version of her that is white, that is our lead protagonist, and yet the black girl, who has the same qualities and honestly does certain things a lot better than Emma, never really gets her due. It's literally never gets her due. She lost the science contest.
1: Um, yeah, there's... It's this constant thing of just like somebody has to be the baby babysitter for the men. Yeah. And it's just like... <laughs> yeah. It's always Liberty. Yeah. yeah. Always. And that's... And because they don't... They don't want to... Like, Emma is being called more of a wet blanket now by, like, Manny and other people. Yeah. And it's just like... But nobody wants... The, the writers don't want to do that to Emma, so they're just going to do it to <laughs> Liberty. They're just going to make Liberty, like... The, um... It's, it's, for me, it's the same people who shit on Skylar.
3: Mm. Yes! Mm-hmm. Like,
1: well, you know, oh, when Skylar, like, I, um, I have a friend named Ian who watched the whole show, all, watched all Breaking Bad, and I could, this is how, like I always knew Ian was a good dude, but he's just like, I feel really bad for Skylar. Like, she gets through the ringer. I was just like, this is why we're friends. Yeah. Because, like, I ha- I've had other friends that are just, like, don't like her. But it's just, like, the writers are know what know somewhat of what they're doing. And it's just, like, it's okay for Liberty to be this, but not, you know, but not Emma. Just like it's okay for Jimmy to be violent. But, like, or Hazel to be Islamophobic. As long as it's not one of our pristine white characters, it's yeah. okay.
0: Yeah, yeah. And it's like, yeah, it just is one of these really fucked up holes where that that the writers get into constantly. Yeah. And it's really depressing. But um in the case of this scene, you know, Toby says like, "Oh, I was being treated like crap." So I you know, that's why, you know, this is why I'm doing. I did this because you treat me like shit, I'm going to treat you like shit which is a very real teen feeling to have. Like I get it. Like I don't actually think the emotions felt on either side are wrong. I think the execution of the of the plot and the way that they framed it was still shitty, but the feelings are right. And that's what's frustrating about this kind of plot is like it seems like the writers understood enough like the emotions of this whole entire experience but couldn't write it in a way that was okay. So and you talk about it. You talk about it in the locker episode. It's like this is a very kid way to handle the emotions
2: at play here. Yeah, like it's very. It's a very kind of like he hurt me. I have to. I have to hurt him back in a way that's going to drive him back to me. Uh, and it it very much since like my own. Understanding of my adolescence. Um, you guys have talked a lot about how, like, this show does a really good job of keeping at least most of the kind of mechanics of the plot based around the fact, like, yeah, these are children, and these, this is how children are going to react, or like these, this is how children are going to push back with each other uh, within this, this kind of like social sphere.
0: Yeah. So, like, it didn't make it any less cult
2: at all <laughs> for jt's just like i mean they're popular you're not popular yeah uh, don't fucking try <laughs> well like
0: it's it's kind of it's 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 like i feel like it's almost sadder than that because jt is like everyone is my friend but you know but you don't connect with the group and and that's kind of like a and i do understand the conflict that jt is in But it's, once again, it doesn't mean his treatment of handling the situation is great, but it is kind of this sad realization, I think, that kids can have sometimes, which is like, you know, what do, I don't know how, I'm a teenager, I don't know how to fucking make all these people get along. What am I supposed to do? I guess I'll shut out the one so I can have everyone else, because that's more numbers and that's more social clout. Yeah. And Toby is really upset by this and really hurt by it, so he walks off. And the scene, the plot ends with JT running after Toby, trying to get Toby's attention, and Toby just plowing ahead. Yeah. So, you know, this sets up, presumably, their fallout and how, if they are able to get back together as friends. um, But just in a very odd way, because the point of view is, it's technically Toby's plot. But there's a lot of moments that are sympathetic to or from J.T.'s point of view. And I understand to a certain extent they were in a hole because they had to establish that J.T. was having wet dreams and Toby had to see that. But also, and like, had to know that it was about Liberty. But also, like, he heard J.T. saying Liberty's name. So I don't really know why it had to have such a weird point of view shift, but it did. It was a very odd one.
1: It's across to season four. Schizo. <laughs> Schism. <laughs>
0: But yeah, so that's kind of my takes on the B plot. I don't know if anyone has any other thoughts about it. Not really. So
2: yeah, it's just, it's just so odd And like trunk Like I don't I feel like if it maybe had had like one more scene. Yeah. Was,
0: like, yeah. I think it just needed up. something.
2: Yeah, JT like maybe trying to get back and Toby's good Toby like finally realized well, maybe I should move on. Like I it like it's it's like two ideas that they try to make into one. And it just, like, it never really congealed as much as it should.
0: I agree. Um, so... Well, they can play fight. That's okay. Oh,
3: okay.
0: No, them play fighting is fine. But that was very good. That... I gotta learn how to do that. And so now let's move to our A-plot. Uh. So, um, let's just get to it. Um, it opens up with Sean watching TV. Um, it's like a really... Dark figuratively and literally it's a dark scene. I feel like anytime we're in Sean's house, it's like pitch black.
1: I'm assuming Trekker isn't one for mood lighting.
0: Yeah, right. Well and also
1: <laughs> um, um lamps in that apartment. <laughs> Sean has the all um the all uh public use like sound cable plan. Yeah.
2: <laughs> yeah, the, the the public domain cartoons and yeah. <laughs> that are playing in the
0: background. <laughs> but yeah, so like he's watching TV um, and he tries to call Emma's house and gets a gets the answering machine. Um it's interesting cuz Emma's Emma's voice uh says that it's the Nelson house. It doesn't include Simpson in it. I think
1: it I think it says Nelson Simpson.
0: Oh, uh, I only heard Nelson. Because
1: I kept thinking like, oh, um, that's what happened when Nelson married Lisa.
0: Mm. So. So, so, um, you know, he leaves a message for her.
1: Although it's confusing that it goes straight to the voicemail.
0: Yeah. I, I wrote that down too. Cause I, I don't remember landlines just going to, to the answering machine. I remember it. Like, they definitely don't. like
2: three or four rings, right? And it's just, like, he keeps calling and he keeps calling, and then that last time, when he's on the stairs, like, fully emo, he he, he dials just the one, so then it goes straight to the answering machine.
0: Yeah, it's a very... I mean, I guess they just didn't want to lose airtime based on, like, the ringing and everything, but it is a bit peculiar. Um, but as he's, like, trying to do this... The door swings open and Tracker who is no longer looking like Axel Rose. Yeah. <laughs> uh, he looks like Tracker again. Um comes in with a woman and he's making out with her and all that type of stuff. Um She's
1: dressed exactly like Alex.
0: Yeah. So, oh, yikes. Um just
1: to say she's wearing a black tank top.
0: <laughs> oh, yikes, the Rooney. It's a classic
2: lady bully
0: look. Like
3: yeah.
2: Gets the it's the, the, the mesh tank top underneath another tank top, and then the chinkos, uh, some sort of accent jacket. Like, yeah, it's a, it's a whole look.
1: I, I'm kind of hoping they just made this shorthand, and, like, at one point, somebody, yeah. like, one of the girls is, like, time to step up and, like, pulls off their sweater, and they're also wearing a blank tank top. <laughs> it's like, that's the, that's the girl fight uniform.
0: Hell yeah. But, um, so... <laughs> You know, Tracker brings in this girl. He then apologizes because he figures that Sean would be at Emma's. And Sean is just kind of like, I haven't been at Emma's for a month. Like, Snake is sick. Like, what the fuck, dude? Um, and Tracker is just like, oh, well, here's some money. <laughs> like, Why don't you fuck off, then?
2: Yeah, the great line, buy him a get well card. Like, yes, it's a, it's a dismissive, shitty thing to just be like... You
0: need to go. I right now. <laughs> yeah, it's like, oh, Tracker buddy. Like, elegant he is not, and he's never been. Like, oh my gosh. But yeah, like, he, he kind of tosses money at him, um, and, you know, as as Tracker's trying to usher him out, Sean tries to call Emma one more time and gets the answering machine. Um, cue the opening and all of that type of stuff. So, the next time we see Sean, it's within the context of this Toby scene. So, Toby is looking at these pictures, Sean is there. Um, Jay decides
1: to steal the pictures from Toby.
0: Yeah. Um, I do want to establish this, and I hate establishing this because, once again, it goes back to the use of slurs, in this case, ableism. Jay is introduced by being referred to as 100% pure psychopath. Psychopath,
2: yeah. Yes. Just like... He's the kid at the school that, like, has some sort of, like, boogeyman story about, I'm assuming.
0: Yeah, and it's interesting because we have met Jay the episode before. The first time we ever see Jay is is in Pride. And in the context of Pride, he appears twice. And the first time, he makes a disparaging comment toward Dylan. And Dylan literally, like, because it's like, oh, like, don't bend over near Dylan. That type of comment. And Dylan literally throws a textbook at his feet. And, like, scares Jay off. And then the second time he says, like, he... Jay makes a comment about Marco potentially, like, being with Dylan because of what was written on the wall about him being a F-slur. So...
1: He's... It's just, like, he's one of those kids who, you know, is heavier, so therefore he hit puberty faster than the others... So, therefore, he's bigger and stronger and looks older than everyone.
0: Exactly. And, like, he is a little older. But, like, when I looked it up, like I said, it was only, like, three years or so. He's not, in the grand scheme of life, he's not that much older.
2: But, yeah, no, I, I was actually going to grade he was supposed to be in relation to
0: everyone else. I feel like in his case it's not relevant because I feel like the writers would angle him as a kid who had to repeat a bunch of grades. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, I feel like they're also kind of going for that angle where maybe he is three years older because he has repeated a bunch of grades. So, like, that could also be kind of how they rationalize him looking significantly older. I think Dylan looks quite older, too, mm-hmm. but I do believe he's supposed to be, like, a senior junior-senior at this point. Jay appears older and scary. He has a fucking beard. Like, yeah, what the fuck? Yeah, yeah. He's he's an intimidating dude, and, and, and it's interesting because he kind of got shoved into his place by Dylan in the episode before, but in this, we see how unhinged he is. And we talked a little bit about this, like how he parks his car, like, right in, you know, where the buses would presumably be. He makes out with Alex while walking. Um, he also has an imposing friend who is a tall black guy named Towers, um, and this is kind of something that I do want to talk about a little bit soon. This weird kind of way that this trio is presented.
2: I wrote this down. I I don't, don't love the implications of the only bully of color being the dumb one. Because yeah. Because there's, <laughs> there's this weird thing. And it kind of I love this trope that like the bully kind of focuses in something that the the potential bully is really good at in mm-hmm. this case sean is, is really awesome at cars so like there's all these months where like tower's working on a car and, and sean gets to have like the, you're doing it wrong moment and like show up the only bully of color in like this weird unit like it's such a I, i'm sure it doesn't have any connotations or like implications uh, just in production wise but like the optics of it are not great
3: no
0: and i I do (laughs) want to talk about this in one specific moment but before we get to that i do want to establish kind of what happens like jay you know he's completely unhinged He does the oh not a ticket comment and things like that and he grabs toby's class photos um and sean gets between them and you know Jay kind of looks at him and goes, what are you, his bodyguard? And Sean says, I'm his friend. And Jay just kind of does, like, one of those, like, anime character, like, tick-type noises, and I can't do right now for whatever reason, and, like, just kind of walks off. I can't do so it on the fly. I don't know why. I'm not that like kind of character, Damian that's why.
2: Tut, or, like, some sort of, like, weird, like, thing with his teeth or something. I don't know.
0: It's, it's very yeah, you would think after all the Yu Show Hakusho I, and, like, all the Hiei and Kurama fanfic I wrote, you would think I would be able to do it, but I can't.
1: I'm trying to think of what kind of anime character you would be. Not that. <laughs> okay, we narrowed it down by one. Got yes. it, cool.
0: Yeah, no, you can let me know, because I have very little... I have a very tentative grasp of my personality, and I appreciate any comments about it. Anyway, we can talk about that off-air. Um,
1: I'd say you're kind of like the... Um... You kind of like, whatever kind of character Tohru Honda is. Okay. Like, very helpful and, like, upbeat.
0: Okay. I mean, I usually like to use Aizawa from My Hero Academia as a good Mm. framework, but I think that's more my professional self. Anyway, we don't have to sit forever on this, because what ends up happening is we have that moment. Jay walks off. Next scene, it's Sean and Emma in media immersion with Snake. Snake like tosses an assignment at Sean like he is fucking un like he's also unhinged in a different <laughs> way, um, and he's like next time you spell check. <laughs> so,
2: which I also find, which I also find the idea that Sean wrote it wrote a paper, saw all the spell check stuff and was just like I'm good, and then just printed it. <laughs> like, it's just like that's so funny. that, that idea is so funny to me.
0: Yeah, like. like He's just like, eh. <laughs> yeah. Whatever.
2: He would have known that he had to use spellcheck after he wrote it, but then he was just like, yeah, fuck it, it's fine, I'm just gonna turn this in.
0: Like, at least I did it, surely, <laughs> like, that has to mean something. And then Snake just kind of, like, skulks off to his desk, because he has a, um lime green laptop that he's kind of farting around on and of course emma's like you know he's kind of on edge he just started chemo um also like you know oh he also got this computer from spike it's kind of like a little little pick me up gift yeah um so sean then you know is like you know after that sean cools off enough to try and invite emma for a casual hangout Um, after school, and Emma accepts it, she, like, holds his hand and everything, and after that happened, Sean's going toward his locker, and he hears noise, and he looks, and he's seeing Jay, Alex, and Towers, like, breaking into a vending machine. So, you know...
2: Sean also opens the I feel like that's something that we can't really gloss over. <laughs> like he, he literally he walks up to his locker, he punches it or he punches the locker next to his and then the locker springs open.
1: Yeah. That's, that's I
2: think, the funniest.
1: I think if it was Happy Days, Sean would have a much better time.
0: I think so. I think that there are a lot of, I think Sean, I don't know. I mean, we've talked about the missed potential that is Sean in general. And I think that, It would be interesting to see how much more sympathetic writers would be toward him if he wasn't on Degrassi. (laughs) I feel like the writers did this turnaround last season and have just been, like, shoving him into the dirt and making him, like, more and more unforgivable in so many ways.
1: So, Jay the Confusing Thief, or Thief of Confusing Loot, because so far we've seen him steal Toby's school pictures.
2: <laughs>
1: which, why? Which
2: have, which obviously have, uh, high street. Those does, does 8 by 10s He also, he gives, he gives Sean one single Hershey bar, which I think is also interesting because, like, it always starts small with bullies. Like, they, they give yeah. you a little taste of what the criminal will be like, and it's always like... It's always like something really dumb, and little. That's just like, like you're giving me one Hershey to keep my mouth shut. You should at least give me like like you have to at least give me a little bit of sweeten the pot a little bit for me to not turn you in.
0: Yeah, like Sean in general. I mean, uh, Jay in general. I mean, he's a highly manipulative person. But like, I feel like also during this vending machine scene. I became extremely uncomfortable with the kind of the racial implications that were happening here, where you have this white ringleader, and you have Towers, who is black, and Alex is a bit of a mystery to me, because I really thought, as a kid, I thought Alex was Latinx, and her last name is Nunez. Yeah. And I was trying to figure out the ethnicity of the actress, and from my understanding, like, anything I found said that she was white. So it's kind of this weird thing where I'm not 100% certain of the actress's ethnicity. Um, I was, like, kind of searching about this. But also, like, there was, in my, the way that I perceived her as a kid, I perceived her as Latinx. So, and, like, I don't know if other veterans feel this way or what. Like, but I just felt like with the name, like, Nunez, like... That's that read that would read to me as she is not supposed to be read as a white character. So which also would then be like, okay, so you have a black guy as one of your henchmen, and then you have a you have a Latinx girl as like your your girlfriend, and for all intents and purposes, a lackey. And it makes the trio also have this very uncomfortable aspect to it because That's if
2: it's a, a lot of yikes
0: okay. yeah it's a whole lot of yikes and like you know and this is something that I'm not 100% certain I like I said like I tried tried kind of looking this up a little bit more and I couldn't really get a definitive answer right now and this is something I want to keep researching so it's something that I'm still kind of working on I'm just basing this off of what I perceived as a kid and <clears throat> I, I don't know how much of it was actually supposed to be, and how much of this. I don't remember specifics about it right now, but it is another thing. Regardless, Jay, the treatment of towers throughout this episode is definitively bad. And yeah. the character so, I, Regardless of so the implications. Glad you that.
2: What? I'm so glad you caught that because I was just like, I don't know if this is like just a weird. Thing that fell through the cracks, and like the the filming of it, or just the the casting, but like it seemed so pronounced that it was a choice. Yeah, and the choice was so bad, <laughs> and I just couldn't. I couldn't make heads or tails of it. It, it was so. Also, uh, uh, when when Sean asks Emma for the for the casual hangout, who the fuck asks for double cheese on a pizza? It's just a mess. Right? Yeah, right. That's just gross. Like nobody wants that, Sean. Like, why? Why would
1: you think that? I I think with Emma's vegetarianism and well, and his vegetarianism. <sighs> of course. There's very few options.
0: <laughs> we gotta spice it up. How can we? Uh, <laughs> we can do that. Um, but yeah, like I don't know. Like, and also the thing about Alex and Towers is it's not like they're defined enough yet. Let's be real, Towers. It won't be. And I hate saying that, but I've done this dance so many times on this fucking podcast already. And I know that a character is not... Like, I'm not going to get a Towers episode. So, like, we don't know how Jay has manipulated Towers and Alex into his under his spell. So it's not even like we get a moment where Towers is like, you know, Jay makes me feel like, you know, I, I have a reason to be in this situation. He doesn't get to speak hardly at all.
1: Well, I think it's... yeah, I, I think... Like, to bring it back to the plotline of the episode, and um I think what Jay offers is a different kind of life. Yeah. Like, where it's just like, you know, Sean's life is not going well right now. Like, Jay offers something else, which is a... um Essentially an escape from that.
3: Yeah, and yeah. It's
1: just like, hey, are you willing to break some rules? Cool. Like, we can have it easy. We can have what we want. We can do what we want. Um, yeah. The, we can live in the land to do as you please. Like, and like, when everything in Sean's old life, because he gets called out of, like, I, I think the next scene is him getting called out of class to be um, an like,
0: well, yeah. There's a scene between it, but
1: okay. Well, yeah,
0: sure. So, um, the next scene we have: Sean is seeing Emma at her locker. She's kind of eating like some sort of tempeh wrap thing, and he he eats some of it. Um, they're
1: sitting in Ellie's domain on the floor. Yeah,
0: that's true. They're back on. They're back in that area. They're in that area. They've entered. They have entered her domain. Um, and as they're kind of chatting, and you know, they're excited about tonight, Snake appears and says like, oh, I gotta dip out early. Emma, like you have to babysit Jack when you get home, like, sorry. Um, and it's pretty like whatever about the plans. And Emma understands, of course, given the circumstances that like, you know, when she has to step up, she has to step up. I think Spike's not home either, um, that night. Yeah,
2: they they say Spike's Spike's caught at the salon.
0: Yeah, and, like, so, like, she, she understands, like, she has to do this, and Sean is obviously crestfallen that this would happen. So the next scene is where we end up spending a lot of the episode, which is at, in the auto shop class.
1: Wait, well, I thought there was the scene before this where Radish calls him over.
0: No, this yeah. happened... Oh, wait. Where am I... Where do I have it in my notes? Oh. Um, no, that happens... It happens soon. Soon, you guys. I know, it's important. Anyway, so, we get to, this is where we begin to establish, like, Jay's ability to begin to manipulate Sean. Really manipulate more than just the chocolate bar, right? Because it's more than just material things. It's, Sean doesn't feel useful right now. So, we're in auto shop, Craig doesn't understand a fucking thing, and this poor sweet child, like, (laughs) get him out of this class. Um, He's also
2: fucking, so fucking dressed John Cusack from Better Off Ted. Like, you try a Craig. Like, we get it.
0: But, like, he's just like, I don't get it. And Sean's just kind of, like, te- teasing him a little bit about it. Um, and is like trying to kind of explain like what kind of to try and clear things up to Craig because Craig has like no understanding of cars. I wish I could actually fact-check any of this exchange, but I also know nothing of cars. So Sean says something, it sounds positive enough that the teacher approves it. Um it is worth mentioning that the that the teacher is disabled and uses a wheelchair and everything. I thought that
2: was a really nice touch. Yeah. it's kind of like they they drop it. They don't really pay a lot of attention to it, nor do they kind of like rub our nose in it. There, it's, it's very refreshing.
0: Yeah, no, I really appreciate that type of um, just like a little little moment. Like I hate being like, oh, I just love when media rep- when representation of marginalized groups is just there and it's not talked about. <laughs> but like in this case, it worked pretty well because. It's just it's just like a good little detail to have because you know a lot of these teachers are pretty one-and-done a lot of the time I recall him appearing quite often But I think that's also because a lot of Sean and Jay's stuff ends up back in this class So it's kind of nice that they decide to make this commitment with this teacher regardless um, He he says like you know the teacher is like super impressed with Sean's knowledge and Jay is just kind of staring him down Um, and as this is happening towers is fucking up on the car um so sean decides to take a you know walk away from his and craig's car and then try and assist towers in the thing that he's trying to fix um and jay's just like oh that took guts <laughs> uh. <laughs> yeah that, that that might
2: yeah yeah takes guts like he just like jumped snake river canyon or some shit he literally <laughs> just literally it was like You have to just turn it this way. Like, yeah, that took a lot of guts. It's real bright.
0: Well, it also goes back to that characterization of Towers. Because in many ways, like, Towers is kind of portrayed as this... Like, I hate using the word monster. But, like, it just kind of seems like they really want him to just kind of be this prop. This imposing prop, basically. Mm -hmm. And, like, he doesn't really get to speak for himself. He doesn't really get to have a personality. He doesn't really get to do anything but be, you know, this muscle for Jay and not a smart, like not even smart at that, apparently. And it it kind of furthers this um, monster narrative of sorts that like they're trying to frame. It's like, Jay is the brains and Towers is the brawn type deal. And I don't know, it's just an incredibly uncomfortable use of a black character, which we've done this dance a thousand fucking times in this podcast, God fucking damn it!
1: Um, I think that yeah. So, um, sorry, oh my brain is getting broken.
0: No, it's okay. It's there's a lot to break over this plot. <laughs> so we also we,
1: we go.
2: This is the scene. I'm trying to think of earlier where exactly in class and yeah rats-
0: calls him out yeah I think he's technically in like Armstrong's class or something like that like the ne- he says like that like oh that took guts and then we get to another class he's kind of sitting and he's kind of spacing out and then Radich appears and is like oh can I see Sean uh, I
1: thought that was a loudspeaker announcement no
0: he he comes to the classroom yeah. and pulls yeah, him he, he and gets there and pulls him into the hallway um it's Radish is a klutz in terms of how he handles kids in general, but this this one is also like this is just another example of him just being a total dick because he just kind of like yanks him out of class, and he asks if he know if Sean knows anything about the broken vending machine by his locker, um, and. He he doesn't frame it very well, and I don't really blame Sean for for jumping and making the assumptions that he does because I think this happens a lot with Sean where he feels that he has to be constantly guarded because of the class aspect of him. So because his reaction to to Radich's question is, "Oh, you think because I'm the poor kid, like I'm responsible for a broken vending machine?"
2: I wrote that down too, like
0: that
2: this shakedown as him just saying, like, oh, well, this poor kid has a locker by a vending machine, and he's obviously not eating enough, so he had to knock it over. Like.
0: Yeah, it's 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 one of those things where it's like, the, the premise of the question is not awful. It is definitely worth asking kids in the general whose lockers are near a vending machine, especially if the incident happened after school. It's not... Mm-hmm an illogical thing to ask the kids who are near it like hey do you know anything about this but Radich keeps saying like it sounds like you have something to hide like why are you so guarded about this question and that's when Sean snaps now does Sean know something about it yeah but also his assumption that you know he is being targeted for this is not off either because Radich kind of is also very aggressive out of the gate as well So, I can't really blame Sean, even if he is technically in the wrong, I can't really blame him for snapping the way that he does, because this further shows the divide that Sean is in, where, and we've talked about this before, where, on a class level, you can kind of assume most of the kids are in a similar socioeconomic level of middle class to kind of upper middle class. Sean is like the only character that definitively is portrayed in a way that is like, he is poor. Did you know he's poor? I don't know if you knew he was poor. Like, they're very, very heavy-handed on that. So, if he's in a school where, for all intents and purposes, a lot... I mean, Sean... I mean, Spinner gets this weird half-assed, like, oh, he doesn't have that much money. But even then, it sounds like his situation, socioeconomic-wise, is not dire like Sean's can potentially hey,
1: yeah. be. Sh- Sean
2: Sean's they're showing
0: shitty living situation. They're showing that he doesn't dress nicely as the
2: rest of the kids. Like they're they're very much making a, like a, a textual point of the of his character
1: narrative.
0: Yeah. So I don't know if Frank, you had something you want to add.
1: Well, it's just like so the. I'm, di- I'm sorry, buddy.
0: No no, 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 it's okay. That's cool.
1: Um, the difference between them is, like, Spinner wants money for nice things. Sean wants money to eat.
0: Exactly. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Um, so so he, he, you know, gets very, very angry to a point that he confronts Jay about the vending machine thing. Um, and as he calls Jay out on what has happened, he then gets jumped by Jay and Towers. Um, Sean fucking punches Jay in the face. It's pretty intense, too. <laughs>
2: It was very. I was like because it starts out. It starts out kind of like general tussling. Yeah. Whenever he gets him on the ground, it's like really hard to punch. And yeah. There's, a, there's also there's an extra in the scene that is like way into this fight, like <laughs> on, like on like a, a whole other level. It's, like finding out something about herself during the scene <laughs> and I thought it was very funny. I like I wrote it I wrote it in my notes I was like, man, this one is way into this fight, so you get it, Curl. Like you...
0: It's true though, and it's like it's it's interesting because we've seen fights happen on the show before. Um, but like his Sean's fight with Jimmy, I feel like, was just kind of a shoving match. It wasn't really at this level of intensity.
1: I but... The thing is, like, when it comes to Sean versus Jimmy, I don't think Jimmy gets in that many fights.
0: No, no, no. So
1: it's just like you know, um it's like in uh The Perks of Being a Wallflower, where like uh, um I forgot the Patrick? No. The main characters like the main character is describing like in a lot of fights you just end up on the ground and you're like basically wrestling. Like Yeah. Then there's people who know how to fight.
0: Yeah, yeah. And
1: like Jay and Sean know how to fight. So exactly. it's a, like they both stay on their feet and they're fighting kind of like boxers.
0: Yeah. It's, it's a really brutal hit to the face, too. It's like yeah. it's a very intense fight. Armstrong is able to break it up. Um, the next scene it's Jay and Sean in the office sitting side by side, which seems fucking stupid. From, like, a teaching perspective, like, if they just brawled and you're going to have them together. Like, I just had to deal with a fight. I just had to deal with a fight today. And, like, we were trying very hard to find a way to place both kids far fucking away from each other so they wouldn't fight again.
1: It, it reminds me of, like, I heard about, like, one... Like the cops broke up a fight and then accidentally put the two guys in the same cell. Yeah, but, like
0: that's, <laughs> that's literally what you could potentially have happened, but it's not what actually happens because.
1: That Jay reveals another part of being like. from the wrong side of the tracks or whatever, however you want to put it. Um, I I keep thinking of the one episode of Freakazoid where like Freakazoid tells the story. is like, hey. I can't, Kelly, Sus- Susie came up to Nancy, so like, hey Nancy, do you want to like eat sweets or pretend we're cats? Uh-uh, I'm hanging out with the wrong crowd.
0: <laughs> yeah, but like,
1: <laughs> but like, Jane knows the Jane knows.
2: The- there's a, There's a very funny moment for about uh, to talk to Jay,
0: and he's. I hope it's the line the- that you, I wrote down. Please continue. Well, it's just
2: it's it's just the image. Rolling up his like he's a fucking NYPD blue detective about to question a perk. I thought it was the. It's like such a principal thing that it's like, now I'm gonna look intimidating by like rolling up my, my mustard yellows. Like, it's, it really, really made me laugh.
0: Yeah, and like, he also makes Jay like, it's like, you know, super like. He's just like super conversational. Um, and he's just like, and at one point, like, Sean, Sean's trying to shut it down, and like he's like, yeah, whatever, okay, fine, shut up, and Jay's just like, he says something that, I, I think I wrote it down correctly, he calls, she says to Sean, you're Eminem on the outside, white-haired baby on the inside. The,
2: the big, scared baby on the in-
0: Okay. <laughs> That's I so great. I cried, I was like laughing so hard, I clearly laughed so hard I couldn't get it 100% correct, but it was really fucking funny. Because like, it made me
2: it may be a kind of a bar or like, him just trying to, like, disarm him, or whatever, but,
0: like, he kind of has Sean's number. Like, he, he, does. he is, like, there's a, there's a certain, and, and Frank, you kind of touched on it earlier, like, there's a, there's an element
2: of, like, power reclamation to the way that Jay lives his life that Sean finds really appealing.
3: Yeah. But he's,
2: he's still kind of feeling this pull with his relationship with Emma, which is something that yeah, he's, like, at odds with Because like he wants that he wants that contact with her, but at the same time he also doesn't want to feel useless or feel powerless, and that's kind of what Jane's crew is starting to offer. I
1: I think to a lesser extent, Sean is becoming. The way I think about like especially white supremacists and white homophobes and whatnot Mm -hmm. is that like. Everyone is the main character of their own story. Mm-hmm. And what does the main character do? The main character suffers through traumas and overcomes them and, you know, um, comes out the other side stronger and better for it. But, like, you want to focus on that main character because that stuff is interesting. Sean is no longer the tra- that tragic figure, and I think it's starting to bug him. Yeah. essentially. Yeah. Because he used to be, like, essentially, like, Emma was the one taking care of him, trying to, like, make sure he was okay.
0: Yeah, trying to rehabilitate him in so many ways, yeah. whether intentionally or not.
1: Yeah, and it's not, that's not a good foundation for any relationship. No, Because no. there's a weird power dynamic there, and now Sean rightly feels like he deserves, like, some attention. Mm-hmm. But Emma can't provide that because Emma has to be so much for so many. Exactly. So, like, Jay basically is saying, like, let's not be, you know, pity cases anymore. Mm -hmm. Let's take what we want.
0: It's also one of these interesting things, and I'm going to try and keep this brief, but, like, I feel like when you work in schools, you have the conglomerate known as the bad kids. But even the, the bad kids have two subsets, and there is the kids who are actually doing really bad things, and the kids who wish that they, like, wanted to come off like they are doing the bad things so that they can have the social clout. (laughs) Both of them are misbehaving, but the range of how they are misbehaving varies where jay would kind of would probably be the kid i'm going to assume that would have the reputation as no this kid is actually a bad fucking dude sean meanwhile would be like he's a shithead he's getting himself into trouble he's getting into fights but that doesn't necessarily mean he is jay level bad yeah but you're but, seeing this kid want to be that level and want that clout
1: The. I mean, I, yeah, like, I encountered those kids in high school. Yeah. Like, there were the kids who spit on me and called me the F-slur. And then, like, the minute I turned to face them, they would turn and run the other way. Yeah. But then there's, like, then there's the actual dudes who I knew not to mess with. Yeah. And they were, like, I mean, in my hometown, like, it's very, like... They were easy to get along with because I was just like, I'm not going to start trouble with them. They're not going to start trouble with me.
0: (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Like, they're interesting because... Like, I don't know, they're a very interesting case, and I'm, I don't want to go too hard in this, and also because Jay is going to be a character who's going to appear more times, because he's white, that's the Degrassi rule, like, he's a white character who gets some development in a plot, so he's going to appear more. Um, <laughs> Man, we
1: love this show. Yeah,
0: boy, boy, oh boy. But, like, I'll talk more about this later, but it is interest. it is something to be said about, like, there is the conglomerate of the bad kids, but even that has a spectrum within it, in terms of what that bad what their bad qualities are. And and that is kind of an interesting thing where Sean is already kind of on the outs, but in the grand scheme of things was not in a horrible position and is now getting sucked further and further into that territory of like, oh, you're you're one of those bad kids. Yeah. Um so Jay so Jay uh, makes that comment um and Jay also brings up like like, that he knows about Sean's fight in Wasega, which, you know, deafened a kid in 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 one ear and things like that.
1: Yeah, Sean says, like, I have a record, and Jay says, oh, you're that kid.
0: Yeah. um, And, and Jay really latches on to this because he says, like, oh, you're, like, you're one of my people. And there is this kind of, we talked a little, you talked a little bit about this, Frank, within the context of, like, having a... Like, you know, certain folks having narratives of things. Like, Jay, in many ways, at least reflecting on it, reminds me a lot of how we characterize cult leaders, I feel like. Like, take you know, taking somebody when they're down, claiming their, so. their word is going to lift them up, that they're going to get a community because of it. Like, he's taking a lot of those kind of classic kind of character way that we would characterize ser- cult leaders to kind of expand his, his circle.
1: If not, like... And he like
2: tells him that he has like a valuable skill set. Like exactly he's telling him that this is something that he can finally be appreciated
1: for in his
0: Yeah, exactly. Um I was gonna say
1: like that's the other thing about Jay is that he's charismatic mm-hmm. somehow.
0: Yeah, yeah, and that's the thing about him. Cause like But it's but it's true because in the grand scheme of things like when i look back on the series i don't remember really hating jay i don't really remember despising him at the level that i i feel like i should have considering what he does and how he manipulates people
1: but that's i mean i reflecting on my own life like that was the thing i was just like i don't understand how those people do what they do they're idiots
0: yeah but like but i think also the thing about jay is i think he's another example of where i don't like him on a fundamental level but he is a character like you know what i mean like he is a character he entertains and that's also probably why i don't like you know thinking about it i i don't want to say i'm fond of jay i don't think he was ever my favorite in any context but like i didn't dislike him probably because he was entertaining yeah because he is entertaining yeah, he has that
2: weird presence, and, like, he has kind of a weird look, and, like, it's a very kind of oddly dynamic kind of, like, cult of personalities sort of thing. Yeah, like,
0: you can understand how he is, how he has, a like, he has the clout that he does over certain people. It's a very convincing role, even if, like, in, like, I mean, he is funny in a weird, fucked up way. Like, he is kind of funny in some of his observations and things like that. And he, he, it just is like, he's a good villain. I think that's all there is to it. He's just a good fucking villain. And he, sometimes you need a good villain in high school.
1: He's a very, he's a very low rent Ocean's Eleven character. <laughs> he's observant. He's charismatic. He knows how to push your buttons. Mm-hmm. Like, it's.
2: I wrote, I wrote down here, a J is like, if you were asked to draw a bull.
0: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, but he does it so well.
2: Yeah.
0: Um, yeah. And then the next, so like, you know, he says like, you know, Sean is like one of his people and he's always welcome to join them. Um, and so we, so the next scene we have um, is Jay, you know, Jay has his whole entire, you know, Jay is, has his car parked Towers is trying to figure out how to fix it. I forget too much. Something about carburetor. I don't fucking know. Don't at me. I don't know anything about cars. Um, And Sean approaches them and kind of shoves Towers aside and shows, you know, how it's done. It kind of shows off his skills. And Jay is, like, super into it. He's super engaged, which is, you know, the way to manipulate Sean, make him feel validated. So he's like, oh, wow. Like, you know... And Sean just like, oh yeah, like I know how to give this car more horsepower and I know how to make this car basically run even faster than you dreamed. And the f- fucking
2: catback system, which, which will become the bane of your existence here pretty soon, Frank, because you get to hear about this fucking catback system for like the next nine episodes that's one thing i remembered about this a lot yeah you get to hear you get to hear about this like mythical catback system and like all the dumb detail that you want
0: yeah yeah it's true and like oh god my eyes just glazed over i did not bother rewatching this part because i was like <laughs> i know i'm never gonna get it and and
2: it's such a stupid like stupid specific thing Basically, hinge this entire plot around.
0: I can't even fact check it. I know so little about cars that even if I researched it, I couldn't tell you anything about the actual technique. Uh, yeah,
2: me, me either. I don't. I don't know if it's a real thing or like,
3: uh,
2: I the writers squeezed a lot of blood out of this stuff for the next couple
1: episodes. Yeah. Why couldn't they squeeze, squeeze, <laughs> squeeze, uh, squeeze the blood from the anime stone?
0: Yeah. Right. Ugh, Kendra being an anime jock, that's what they really should have been pulling, but, you know, alas. Anyway, Sean is pretty enthusiastic about it, and he says, like...
1: So I hear you're building a Gundam, Jay.
0: Please, that would have been better. But, um, so, so... Sean says like you know I can do this free I can do free labor you just have to get money for the parts the parts are not cheap but you know he's still being useful right like he's still saying to Jay like and and you know Sean doesn't have money it's not like he can buy the parts himself so he's like you know this is how I can make myself useful if you figure out how to get the money I can figure out I can do this for you I can earn my keep um Then they walk down the halls in a scene set to rap music that Frank reminds me so much of She's Too Young.
1: Yep.
3: I was,
0: like, screaming. It was identical. Like, people are jumping out of the way and glaring at them. And this is also where that, once again, kind of like that... It's just, once again, very uncomfortable.
1: And it's so uncomfortable where I, I own the song... Gangsta, Gangster by straight um, by N.W.A. <laughs> yeah, all the album straight. A content. We are not going out on that. We're gonna go have a different song. That's called Bad Kids.
0: Mm, yeah.
1: Bad Kids. Oh, we are. A oh, bad that kids. song.
0: Right, right, right. I think that's kind of the the. It's probably for the best because it's like this very uncomfortable moment that reminds me of She's Too Young, where once again you you vilify rap music or you connect rap music with the bad kids. And what, what what is rap music made by black people who are evil in this black people like?
1: Let's remove all the context of that seminal album from it. Yeah, and just oh, it says gangster on it. Let's it's go with like nice this
2: can...
0: <laughs> Yeah, it's it's just this very. It's just another thing where it's like, I mean, it's just from the time period. She's too young. Is also from this time period where a lot of white content creators were really gunning for angling like rap music as the fall of white teen innocence. And once again, I don't think the writers or anybody, I don't even know like anyone, the music directors, whoever, were really thinking that hard about it, but it still is a really awful implication.
2: Yeah, yeah, I don't think there's ever any malicious intent behind it, but like, especially watching it now, you can't help but kind of be stung by the optics of it, and kind of like have, they've never really connected those dots as well as we are as viewers. Like mm-hmm. you would think that they would.
0: Yeah, it's just it's just once again very uncomfortable and very of the time period. Um, it's, it's
1: just like it bugs me because it's just like I want to double check this. Most Def and Tal Kowli were already collaborating as Black Star, mm-hmm. which is just. And that album's excellent. Their individual work is excellent. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And it's just like, nope. Like, we can't feature any, like... We can't feature Spectrum. It always has to be this. (laughs) Always has to be this.
0: Yeah, it's just... It's just a very dark thing. And so that scene happens, and then the next time we see the plot kick in, Emma is leading ravine cleaning. Um, And Sean is participating. Jay and the... and. You know, Alex and Towers kind of mock Sean for participating, and Jay, who has a bottle of soda, pours it on the ground, citing it as a chemical spill.
3: Chemical spill!
0: Like, once again, like, he's a shithead, but he's entertaining, and, like, it's. I think the thing is, it's just, like, he's unhinged, like, in his delivery... He just fucking goes for it, which I think is similar to yeah. Paige, similar to Kendra, but in a very different way. Like, he's just, like, he looks at some of these cheeseball lines, and the actor just fucking commits. Which... Also, one, one out to clean entire ravine, Emma, your model is unsustainable. Like, right. On,
2: it's, a, it's a ravine. We need a little more than an out.
0: It's true. It's, like, that's a bit of a hack job, Emma. Um, but, like, she also lectured about, like, a weird toilet seat that people should not be using because it uses, like, wood from the rainforest. So, like, I think her optics in general are a little... She,
2: she is the fucking queen of the high road. Like, I I, I kind of vaguely my, my thoughts on Emma just as a, as a first-time viewer as a, as a kid. But then, like watching this episode you just kind of like ugh this like so this is white girl feminism and like all all this like performative kind of activism that I'm sure she genuinely does like believe in but at the same time you're just kind of ugh yeah so so much
0: I feel like a lot of her shit didn't age I think it didn't necessarily get executed very well in the first place but I think especially it didn't age well (laughs) And it, it, I feel like in many ways, like, it, it just really does a disservice for a lot of the hard work that teenagers do in terms of activism, especially in this modern context. I feel like, you know, Gen Gen Z right now is really doing some amazing stuff and really caring about a lot of issues so deeply. And it's like, it's interesting to see what activist characters are looked at as in older media. Because I feel like we get these kind of, quite frankly, antiquated takes on them at this point, and between her and then an original DeGrassi Caitlin, both of which latched on to. Well, Caitlin had some pretty legitimate clauses she latched on to. but you know these kind of like globalized efforts that are a bit misguided.
1: Yeah, there's that one. There's that one amazing like teenage kid or teenager who came up with like. That way, to, like he both funded it and is constructing it. That way to clean the oceans using just the tides.
0: Yes. Yeah.
1: Like that dude is yeah. awesome.
0: <laughs> yeah, like teenagers are amazing. Um, and it's why well, I write about them. Like a- <laughs> yeah, same. There's like a
2: way that you can make her Emma's kind of stodgy, uh, uptight, kind of uncool. Like, because there are characters like. Uh, 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 Jane on Happy Endings I feel like is a very funny and relatable way that you can do like a type A or like kind of woke character quote unquote and not make them like a total bore or buzzkill. Yeah. And I feel like Emma, Emma kind of fits in um, that very like because she sleeps her feet her, her vegetarian like her trying to make s- snakes uh, situation kind of about her, and later on, what is my favorite exchange in Degrassi history, which we're about to get to, and I'm so excited. <laughs> but like, I just I feel I feel like there's a way, and we we touched on it earlier Liberty is the exact same character, but she's vilified while Emma is like the hero, and I don't get it.
0: Yeah, no, I agree wholeheartedly. Oh. Um, so so Jay taunts and. um You know, it's like, hey, Sean, like, you know, you can fuck off with this and we can, like, drive around. Which is such a classic, like, teen thing. Like, we can just drive and waste (laughs) gas. Oh, to be young again. Um, And Sean rejects the offer and goes with Emma. They go into the woods. um, They kiss. And Sean tries to, like, turn it into a makeout session. They kind of get down on the dirt. Um, And as they are making out, Kendra walks by. Um and once again Kendra has this great little comment where she's just like, "Uh, lots of garbage." Ha!
2: Totally it's so so smooth and it's so funny. <laughs> Plays it like her little, this weird like stutter step like she's almost like you can see the actress like thinking about like, "Okay, if I just sprint away." maybe they won't say anything yeah right she stops and actually talks to them it's it's so funny and she plays it so beautifully
0: yeah she really has like a fun like i just feel like she's weirdly natural like there's something very natural about kendra like Mm -hmm. i believe i think it goes back to how realistic she kind of feels but also just like she has these like kind of like these little reactions that are just like i don't know they just work really well it was it was pretty funny i really enjoyed it yeah
1: Just, like, pearls suddenly appear in her hands so she can clutch them.
0: Yeah, exactly. Like, it was just really funny. Um, And, of course, Emma's super upset about this because, you know, this this hinges on her reputation and identity as an activist. And Sean is just, like, really pissed off about it. Um, And Sean gets really, and this kind of leads to their big fight and this fallout that happens between the two of them. um, Because Sean's like, you know, you never want to do anything ever with me. Um and all you care about is like the environment and shit like that.
1: <laughs> and things like your 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 dad. Oh like how dare
0: you care about your dad with cancer. <laughs>
1: yeah. This, this this is what I've been leading up to. The the actual she he's like, you know, you're
2: Emma Emma Nelson. She's an activist. She's a she's a babysitter. She's a nurse. And Emma, you know, very solemnly and sincere, like sincerely, is like, you know, Snake has cancer, Sean. And then he just very petulantly, "Yeah, I heard, and I fucking died. I thought this was like the funniest thing." <laughs> it was a, it's a, it's a teen reaction, and just it's so. Hey, it's it's so like it's so selfish and petty and just like completely ignoring the context of the situation
0: openly. yeah it, it's, it's just
2: oh god it's so
0: it's it's so myopic but in a way that only a teenager can do it like i feel like adults exactly, can still be like adults exactly. can still be myopic as fuck but like teenagers and the way that they do it it just kind of speaks to how like i love teenagers deeply like I love working with them like honestly it's always like I've met some amazing kids in my time as an educator but like every kid no matter how mature they are how brilliant they are they always have a moment like this where they are so short-sighted that you suddenly become hyper aware of how young they are and how uh, how you know how their brains are still developing and like this is the big Sean realization of just like him being unable to understand like Emma is acting- Emma is dealing with her fucking stepdad having cancer. That is a big fucking deal. It's like, I'm sorry, Sean. That's gonna take precedence. And Sean is just like, no. It's Emma who's wrong. And him saying, I heard,
2: as if, like, he heard a great vibe. Or, like, it's just, like, some passing thing that's not- completely upending his ex-girlfriend's wife and situation with it like it's so it's so bullish and I just I, I watched it so many times I told my wife about it I sent like I sent my boss a clip of it, <laughs> I, put it Insta- I put it on Instagram like I'm all in I was like this is precisely why Degrassi works
0: <laughs> absolutely um, but yeah, like, I, I forgot to establish this, it was my bad, like, they do have this conversation at a locker, and as he's exploding about this, she just kind of, like, shakes her head, and she's just like, you're pathetic. Like, but, like, anyway, because Sean is like, yeah, well, now I just want to hang out with, like, Jay and everybody, because at least they're fun, and she's just like, you're pathetic. And I, I respect that. That was, like, a moment that I truly was like, yeah, Emma, you're right, that is pathetic.
2: Part of it was just- yeah, it's like the- the one moment where I was just like, well, yeah, it is. It's really, it's really dumb that he's just like, yeah, I'm going to go hang out with these guys that wear hoodies all the time.
1: <laughs> They're my people.
2: Yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah. Not, not like
2: these dorks and geeks like...
1: Look at, look at Toby wearing his college shirt. <laughs> like,
0: fuck him.
1: He's probably going to go, he's probably going to go to college.
0: But yeah, like. Uh, he, he then, his reaction is also really fucked up in a very subtle way because he punches a locker. Like, he punches a locker next to her and she just fucking stares him down. Like, she does not react. In any, like she doesn't jump or anything like that. But it also, uh, it is a very scary moment in many ways because it's like, it. it I, hopefully, and I want to just read this as just like, you know, Emma is just really fucking... Hard stance, like I am going to not let him win this. It does make me scared of how many times has he done something like this. But I do, I, I, but I still find it incredible. Like it is a very shitty intimidation technique to try and just like you know I don't have my fucking way. I'm not gonna hit you, but I'm gonna make you feel like I did. Yeah, I'm gonna it's scare the shit ju- 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 out of you.
2: It's a super jarring transition, cap, explosive and volatile. That to like. High campiness of directly cutting to him like angrily ratcheting an engine. Yeah, <laughs> like, like, he slams the locker, and does this wipe to where he's just like kr, kr, kr. He's really going to town on this fucking engine, and it's like are are we supposed to like is, like is he fainting? Is that just like his we But like they don't address like how volatile that is at all.
0: And yeah. So
2: the transition really jarred me.
0: Well, also, like, it also kind of reiterates to me how how it, it wasn't needed. You know what I mean? Like, he didn't have to punch the locker. We already know that he's, like, physically angry because he's, like, trying to strip, like, this fucking thing as he's trying to screw it in. Like, you could have just had that and that would have been fine. Um it, it, it's just one of those things where it's like you felt like it, it just was like this weird cheap shot, which in many ways it was. It was Sean literally throwing a cheap shot, but, you know, it felt like kind of redundant in comparison to him and how he reacts in the auto shop. As he's as he's doing this, Jay approaches him and, and talks about how he has a scheme to get the car parts. Um, and, you know, kind of invite Sean in on it. And he asks if Sean needs permission from the boss, who I assume is Emma in this context. Um, and they kind of go into the scheme. Now, the scheme, which they're not very specific about in this setup, we see in action, which is that they, it's the same, you know, the same cast of characters. So it's Jay, Towers, and Alex, and Sean go into the hallway, and Jay is like, okay, I'm gonna go steal some shit, like, you guys keep the janitors distracted. He then busts into Snake's computer lab. He is looking at, um, he's kind of eyeing some keyboards that he can snatch, and, like, a keyboard that he can snatch, and Sean jumps in and is like, hey, like, you could do that and get, like, 50 bucks, or you can steal this, which reintroduces that lime green laptop that spike gifted snake. So. Which if, is honestly, if, if, TV, if,
2: if TV has taught me anything, it's that electronics are super easy to fence, and you always need to steal sound equipment or musical instruments. Mm-hmm. Which, which I think, which I think that that's just a consistent thing on TV. But also, uh, there's the real insidiousness. I think of his plan is that the fact that Jay makes Sean implicate himself instead of saying, yeah. well, instead of just instead of just stealing it, he's like, no, it's your idea, so you get to take in the score. He called
0: it an honor.
2: Like, yes, yeah, it's a very slick, manipulative thing that he like because now he his hands are basically clean. And Sean now the one that's implicated in the crime, which, as you guys will see, like, like, really spins out of control.
0: Yeah. Well, it's also interesting because it's like Jay Jay straddles the line in terms of fault. And it is kind of interesting that, and, and like, not to say that I think he has pure intentions, but it does almost feel like in the way that he gives this to Sean, it's kind of like trying to give him a sense of control over what is happening. Because Jay isn't afraid to get his hands dirty. He was complicit in breaking into that vending machine. He wasn't totally, like, hands-off and like, having other people do his bidding. He still broke into the room and was going to do... I don't know. He's very interesting because he's not as hands-off as you may expect someone in his position to be.
1: Because stealing some candy bars is a... Minor offense, yeah, stealing a two thousand dollar laptop is grand larceny.
0: That's true, so like, I think there might be also that element. This
1: kid knows how to work the system, that's true.
0: That might just speak even yeah. more so to his manipulation,
1: yeah. No, that's,
0: Jesus, Jay, that's
1: that's the only way I I didn't read it as just like, you know, he's he'll do this, but that like, I was just like, he's setting up if things go wrong, he'll let Sean God take the floor. Damn,
2: fall. Jay, yeah, exactly,
1: cool. yeah, yeah. it's
2: like, a, it's like, a, it's like a Lex Luther. Like it's
1: some shit. It like means the whole cr- it's the whole cr- disgust. Mm. It's just like I don't have like I I understand all the like the social implications of it, but I don't have a lot of respect for thieves. Like you know,
0: <laughs> in in this case, it's a. I mean, while there is definitely something to be said about like not really having money and how there are systems pushing people down, I think stealing a laptop from a dude who just je- who is dealing with cancer is is. Not a way to rationalize your, uh, your stealing. You're,
1: you're, exactly. Well it's just did I ever tell you how my father dissuaded me from stealing? How? My father told me he's just like, look, if you're gonna steal, steal like five to ten million dollars. Steal reti- like steal money that you could retire on. Mm-hmm. Like you don't wanna go yeah. you don't wanna go to jail for stealing like a candy bar or something. Cause it's just like, what's the point? You eat it; it's gone. Like you steal enough money that you never have to work again. <laughs> so my dad was essentially like, "Be Danny Ocean or be a, like an honest yeah. man," and it worked.
0: Yeah, <laughs> no, <laughs> for sure. Well, I mean, you
3: nothing. Like you?
0: yeah. Like I understand. I understand in general, though, why why people steal, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But like, yeah. Once again, like, even regardless of your circumstances, I think we can all agree: stealing something from a cancer patient. Yeah. It's not good. It's, it's, <laughs> especially because the very next scene is him, like, basically
2: self flagellating because he's like, I, I wrote it
0: down. I, I know the chemo is making me stupid, but, like, Jesus, dude. Yeah. Cut yourself a,
2: a little slack. Like,
0: you yeah. just. Yeah. He's. Well, it. I. So. um... The oh yeah well before we get too far into that uh Sean as Sean is stealing he's like looking at Emma's fucking classroom photos <laughs> it's just like super heavy oh handed it's like oh I think this God. was bad enough like
2: <laughs> <laughs> and I wrote down a signed apology Emma like. <laughs> So yeah. You can't just like sign a pic- a picture of yourself and be like,
0: "Oh yeah, we're going to be
1: totally cool at this." <laughs> yeah, like Here, here's an 8x10 glossy of myself.
0: Yeah, it's really funny cuz so so the day after after Sean has stolen the laptop, like, yeah, she's writing like to Sean from Emma in like kind of clunky handwriting. Like I like that it doesn't look perfect, but also it's like a headshot. It's really weird. Um and she comes up to Sean And, you know, Sean is arriving in Jay's car and she approaches him and she's like, oh, like, can we talk alone? He's like, no. And Emma's like, I really want to talk about yesterday. And, you know, um, Jay jumps in and says, like, oh, Sean doesn't have anything to say. Um, And so Emma starts storming off. And as she does, Alex says, like, probably some of her only, like, full, like, compound sentences, which is just.
2: I think it's her only full line in this episode.
0: Yeah, and she's just like, wow, she really is flat as a board. And, like, as Emma hears that, she crinkles up the photo in her hand. So dramatic. Yeah, it's like, I understand, like, I don't know, like, I feel like it went a little too heavy-handed, but, you know, Sean sucked in. That's what we now know.
1: I really hope there's an Emma revenge arc.
0: You'll just have to wait and see, my friend. Emma,
1: Emma, Emma just turned the broad. <laughs> She's like, she just goes to Kendra and is like, Kendra, I need to bulk up.
0: Yeah, no, that would have been good. <laughs> oh, fuck. That would have been really good. Um, oh,
1: my God. And then just like, like, a few weeks later, Alex says some shit to Emma, and Emma just, like, unzips her hoodie and just throws it away, and she's wearing a black tank top. Yeah. And, like, she just has these, like, fucking muscles. Yes. She's just like, let's do
0: this. I really wish this is what happened. I can't even, like, go along with it. I just wish it was the reality. Um, but, so the next scene is the final scene of... Emma walks into Snake's room. Um, he
1: how she learns how to summon a stand.
0: Yeah. Oh my god. That would have been also good. <laughs> it's Mama Onu. Yes. Ma- it would be a Mama Onu uh, turtle looking stand. Um, but Mama Ono!
1: and it just slows down time.
0: Yes. But um, Emma, Emma like walks into Snake's room, and as Justin said, like he's like self-flagellating, like how angry he is at himself. Which, to be fair, I. About a month or two ago, I had my laptop stolen. Gwen's car got broken into. I lost I lost a lot of shit. Um, and I'm still in the process of trying to recover a lot of it, just financially. It's just, it sucks. Um, and I do understand why he's in that rut, because he had just realized he lost it, and he, so he's in the phase of, like, it's all my fault, it's all my fault, it's all my fault. Even though the reality of the situation is, these kids were shitheads. Like, he's still like, well, if I did things differently. and Like, that's the thing. It's like, in my case, it's like, what the fuck could I have done differently? Like the car was right. locked. It was parked in an area that is like you know fairly lit. Like it wasn't even far from the apartment that I was at. Like
2: yeah. him placing the the blame square his treatment is so sad. It's yeah, like so, so dark because he's like, I mean, it's having having been in like an, the orbit of with a terminal illness and going through chemo yes there is that aspect of kind of like your your memory gets a little wobbly stuff like that but just like him like he just started because I think they they say that he just started like
0: a week, a week ago. ago yeah mm-hmm. yeah
2: it's like him him just immediately being so like I don't know, almost defeated by his, tr- by his diagnosis and the treatment of so, herb, it's like heartbreaking for me. Yeah. And it's just like the, that line of just like, I know, I know the chemo is making me stupid, but like, Jesus, man, like it's you're going to be fine. Everything's going to be fine. Yeah. It's like,
0: geez, it, it is a very, when you frame it like that, it is an incredibly sad moment. Like I mean, it was a sad moment from the perspective of this is a guy who just had his brand new laptop stolen, but, like, the fact that it it spirals into this negative thought, which I do understand, because, like, I was in a really dark place after that happened, because it does start, like, it starts kind of... It feels like, like, any weaknesses you feel that you have, you start pulling out because of this, because, like, things... Because, like, something happened beyond your control, and for whatever reason, you start reasoning with all of your your flaws. In the case of Snake what he sees as a big flaw right now is that he's sick. So mm-hmm. it makes sense that right after it manifests it now, like, cause like at last episode, like he's, he's saying like, look, I gotta beat this and I gotta fight this and I gotta try and fight it in a way with a sense of humor because if I don't, then I'm not going to make it. And now we have this conversation change a little bit into like, Oh my god! Like all this bad, this word somehow I have had even more bad shit happen to me after I got diagnosed with cancer, and it's because like I do not have the emotional capacity that I need to be a person. Yeah.
2: Mm. And the implication that he's thinking that he's a bird now. Yeah. On his fa- on his family. Yeah. Extra dark. Extra dark.
0: <laughs> yeah, it is. It is a really sad situation, but Emma. Tries to, you know, Emma just kind of stares off and kind of stares down Sean in the hallway. And she just, her last line in this episode is, maybe it's not the chemo.
1: Yeah. So... Turn him in, Emma.
0: Well, she's got to figure out if he, she has to prove he did it first.
2: And I feel like this, the ending of this episode is a quintessential end credit beat. Because it's just kind of like kind of uh, you know very very like i don't want to say like sinister but like he's he's like looking over his shoulder, kind of mid mid step and then it, the credits come up and then that like mournful piano cl- you note know, starts to and like you really you
0: know, they're getting just, better wow, at their ends
2: yeah yeah, it's just like i'm way in now like i i just gen- stop from like watching the next three episodes I think I remember what happens, but I also kind of want to know if I do remember. It was, it was a very no to no. end
0: on. Yeah, it's it definitely makes you kind of realize that per like you know, and I feel like this this next few seasons do a pretty good job at this, where threads don't just kind of get dropped. Like they're no, it's not just twenty two minutes that this is relevant for. This is going to be <laughs> relevant for a while, um, and I, we're seeing flashes of that. We saw flashes of that in season two and when they did it right, they did really did it right. But as I was watching this, I was like, oh, shit, right. Like, things are not as, like, contained anymore. Um, and it's going to be interesting kind of watching all of this because there's so much unresolved, and so there is something kind of sinister about the way that it was all framed, and, and you know that it's going to come back. Um,
2: and I, I think this is a really good start to... Um, what Frank will start to see, the 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 show really starts to do serialized storytelling really well, mm-hmm. but still also, still also kind of delivering these like single issue, these like single episode arcs, usually in D plots, but like it, it really, it really starts to experiment in this season with serialized storytelling. And I feel like they do it really well. And they kind of start to, they kind of do that more so as the show goes on. Mm-hmm. Uh, kind of showing how they're getting more ambitious with their, with their threads.
0: Yeah, no, I agree. Um, so that being said, Frank, how would you rate this episode?
1: Uh, Um, see.
0: Yeah, fair enough. It's, it's pretty ugly in parts. Yep. It's real ugly. There's some interesting (laughs) moments, but it's ugly.
2: (laughs) I actually, I, hey, uh, just because of like the narrative implications of it just mm-hmm. because like, we're starting now to see them tell bigger stories and kind of let like different narratives breathe but yeah i mean there's there's also there's a lot of super troubling stuff that when when you're really looking like really becomes apparent so i think i may knock it down to like a b minus let's say understandable yeah yeah,
0: yeah. yeah i think that. it's it's an episode that i think if you were to write if you were kind of more to like look at this as like a meta piece if you were to kind of reflect on the series i think that this would be a really good episode to discuss in like kind of like an essay form about the methods of serializing in degrassi but in the grant as an individual episode yeah i agree i would i feel like bumping it down is the right way to do it um so let's get to character ranking let's try and bang this out real quick Frank are you feeling up for it? Yeah okay.
1: Um, a lot of people going down. yeah Toby going down for being a shitty friend yep um, Liberty for not liberty for not having any speaking roles like just being in the background like I, I just enjoyed um, what you call it um, I think this might be the first time, but she's starting to lose some points. Because mm-hmm. she is still not dropping Spinner after he has revealed himself to be both homophobic and anti Semitic.
0: That's understandable. So. <laughs> um, no, that's understandable.
1: Whatchamacallit, Kendra, um, is on the rise. Spinner is finding even new sub basins that JT and Toby never explored. Oof. Um. JT's going down for abandoning his friend um Sean's going way down for being a dick Mm -hmm. Jay I'm just gonna combine Jay Towers and um Alex Alex they are all just towards the bottom um I can't I don't really want to give up pity points so um Snake's gonna stay where he is (laughs) Um, Emma's on the rise for sticking to our guns. Um is that it?
0: Uh, I think oh we are.
1: um the 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 uh, auto shop teacher is on the rise.
0: Good. Yeah, he tries to validate Sean positively. It's just Sean doesn't listen to Sean listen to the teacher instead listens to Jay.
3: Yeah.
0: um, Justin.
2: I, I I didn't I, I couldn't remember how you did this bit so I literally just made like a, a one two three list. Okay, sure so that works. One, I like that. Number one is my number one is Alex uh, for that fly ass lady bully look. <laughs> uh, my number two is Sean for the start of a big arc because this is this is a big thing for him. Mm-hmm. Uh, number number three uh, is the debut of the catback system. Uh, the most coveted of car parts. <laughs> and I also have a four-way tie for last. Jay, Emma, JT, and Toby, a.k.a. Tomes. Valid. they're all terrible people. And I feel like, yeah, I'm comfortable with that.
0: <laughs> yeah, no, I agree. Um, so let's go to recommendations. Let's try and bang this out pretty quickly. Um, my recommendation, I, I didn't really, I don't know. It this trope is not something I'm unfamiliar with, but I find myself having difficulties trying to recommend something that I felt comfortable recommending. I think Friday Night Lights kind of deals with this to a certain extent because a lot, yeah, right? That's really good. Yeah, like I I try not to recommend it too much because it's like my favorite TV show ever. I do think it does deal with this, especially in the case of Tim Riggins. I feel like Tim Riggins is like a better realized version of Sean, and that's kind of what I mean uh, okay, by. Sorry. Like, if Sean was on a different show, he'd be treated differently. If Sean was on Friday Night Lights, he would be Tim Riggins. Like, that's it. So, I feel like... That
2: analogy is so good, it, like, makes me angry.
0: Thank you. (laughs) I try. (laughs) But, like, that's how I feel. Like, I feel like if you are interested in this kind of trope, and you're interested in this character who is at a precipice... And like does not quite know the right thing to do, has talents and has gifts, but still is not living a great life. And also has a shitty older brother taking care of him. Wow. Actually, this is perfect. Um, Check out Friday Night Lights. Tim Riggins is one of the lead characters in it. So if this is is a character that you want to see done in a more sympathetic light, whether it's warranted or not, Friday Night Lights is the way to go. Um, If you want my just why not listen to it, if you want to listen to someone singing about being in a rut... Um, I've been revisiting bond the music Industry's album adults smart shit hammered and excited by nothing and I'm really enjoying revisiting it um, and it's similar about in a sense of like kind of being in a rut and not really sure what to do more targeted toward an older audience but it has some really good songs on it and I'm enjoying revisiting it so Justin what's your recommendation
2: well I I think for This kind of trope, like you said, like every, every every television show under the sun has done these two plots. Like I, you'd be hard pressed to find a show that hasn't done it, but I feel like a, a very, um, sustained and, uh, narratively satisfying version of this trope, especially the, like a two friends that have kind of drifted apart into different social structures, um, oddly enough, is justified. <laughs> the, the, the Timothy Oliphant and really? uh, Walton, uh, Walton Goggin show, mainly because while that show is, is very pulpy and, and like has a cool kind of crime element to it, the two uh, Raylan Givens and Boyd Crowder are at the center of it. Mm-hmm. and you, you see kind of through the, the seasons how these two men had a relationship it had a very strong relationship bond but then felt themselves moving towards uh, like because raylan obviously becomes a u.s marshal while mm-hmm. boyd crowder becomes a like a total nuts like criminal mm-hmm. but it's like the, sh- the show really treats like their relationship very well and, and it's very nuanced and i feel like that's a, a more entertaining and kind of sustaining of that um as far as my just out there recommendation, um, I can say dark shadows. Um, mm-hmm. it's something, it's something that I kind of had a connection with as a child, uh, just because they showed it on the sci-fi channel. Uh, but now that I'm starting to get into it, like it's a very, like, idiosyncratic, odd, technically, like astounding soap opera. Like in, in, uh, Amazon just put it all up, all like one thousand two hundred and sixty-six episodes. Um, they have a bunch of collections where, like, you can start at the very beginning if you want to start right whenever the monsters start to ship. Uh, 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 it's it's super interesting. I've I've really enjoyed it a lot. I've been kind of de- delving into the expanded universe of it in my my job at the Collinsport Historical Society, but like the actual show. Is super entertaining, and I feel like if you want something long and something that you can really dig into, uh, just in terms of longer narratives, uh, check it out.
0: Nice. And Frank?
1: Um, I just want to do these real quick. I'm getting kind of tired. Um, uh,
0: You've been keeping it together very well. I'm
2: very um, impressed. I'm so proud of you, man. Like I, I promise we'll bring it in
1: soon. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Um yeah it's uh I don't, it's what one in the morning here Justin. Um I'm going to recommend uh for a documentary about criminals um I'm going to recommend the Fire Festival documentary on Netflix yes. uh Fire the greatest party that never happened. Um it is absolutely fascinating um and satisfies your eat the rich like cravings a bit. Um mm-hmm up until like night falls at the fire festival then you actually I actually felt scared for the kids. Oh.
3: Um
1: the documentary has a lot of like really faint
2: that I did not expect it to take.
0: Um I haven't I, watched it yet. I really got to. Well, I'm just
1: for you Donnie and for you Justin. Andy King has his own show now.
2: Wow. Of course he does. Yeah.
1: Um, I'm also going to recommend the, uh, computer game soon to come to PlayStation 4, Gravity Ghost. I just started it recently. Um, I haven't played it through super long. It doesn't also seem like a super long game. It's doing a lot of interesting things with story and art and, um, mechanics. Like, you're a ghost and, like, you travel on these little planets and you have to, like, use the gravity of the planets like, boomerang yourself and whatnot. It's super fun and just super cute. I highly recommend it.
0: Nice. Um, so, all that being said, Justin, you've made it through.
2: Oh, my God. It's a, I I feel like a different person, to be totally honest with you, and I feel like I'm a better person now.
0: Aw, well, if people want to hear about this, want to keep in touch with this new version of you, how can they do that? Uh, you can find me the Yawning Hellscape that is Twitter at uh, J
2: underscore Partridge 3rd. Uh, you can also find me most day at Newsarama. Uh, I'm covering TV right now at Rogue's Portal. And also, I, I have regular beat at the Collinsport Historical Society if you want to come by there and see how monsters do it.
0: Awesome. Um, and if you want to keep in touch with the podcast, you can do a couple things. I'll try and do my spiel really quickly. You can email us at ihopepod at gmail.com, where you can send us any questions or any requests or anything like that. You can also send us audio files as well as text talking about how episodes, characters or seasons or the show in general has impacted your life. Um, you can also contact us if you are interested in co-hosting. We would love to have new perspectives on the show. Um, we do have our usual suspects who are always happy to jump on, but do not hesitate to Ask and see if you can be fit because we would love to fit you in as well. Um, You can also keep in touch with us on various social media platforms, specifically our Facebook group. But I hope I can make it through podcast um, as well as our Twitter account. I hope pod. um, And you can also potentially buy us a coffee. We are using all the funds that we get from that, and we are going to be we are in the process of putting it toward equipment upgrades, as well as compensating our wonderful guests for making appearances. Um, Also, remember to rate and review. Once we hit 20, we are going to go back into, back, way back into the Degrassi Junior High, Degrassi High archives. And we're going to write, uh, we're going to watch some of those episodes and react to them. So if you want double the content without having to pay for it, this is a really easy way to do so. Um, So please don't hesitate to do that. Tell your friends too, um, especially if you are finding yourselves all listening. Um, If you want to keep in touch with me individually or you want to see pictures of the cats who are making lots of noise during this episode, (laughs) you can definitely follow me on Twitter at DM is Unbreakable.
1: Um, I have a podcast called Teen Girl Talk where my sister and I talk about various um, bits of young adult media that's not Degrassi. Um, Yeah.
0: And with that said, everyone, we hope we can keep making it through. And that you're going to be there with us. See ya, everyone.
1: Later. Bye.